doggy. It's a sports <laughs> out there today, huh, Brevin? <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. Come on down. Get yourself a nice tall glass of cold water. Join me on my adventures through Mexico. Um, actually, they say if you're visiting Mexico, you shouldn't drink the tap water because of something. But this time you can because it's the Old West and all the water's bad. <sighs> Welcome to Red Dead Reflection, the podcast where Brad and I play through Red Dead Redemption 2. Nope, 1. Well, we in did. season we played two. through it. We did do that, past tense. Now we're playing through Red Dead 1 and discussing it as we go. Brevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm hurting, though. I'm hurting a lot. Why are you hurting, Brevin? So, me and you, we were on a nice, you know, workout regimen. Is it regimen or regimen? I'm going to have you spell check me right now. I think it's I think it's Reggie Rock. Are you talking about <laughs> the one that's rock type? Uh, regimen? Yes. It, but regimen. isn't it, don't people say T at the end sometimes? Regiment. Regiment? I don't know. All right. Well, I'm going to say regiment. Okay. Like a regiment? <laughs> it's a grass type. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We had a, we had a good workout regiment um, going on before coronavirus happened. And we hadn't returned to it since coronavirus happened. And yesterday was our first time working out. And I'm in so much pain. It wasn't. What's sad is it wasn't even that intense of a workout. It was <laughs> it just wasn't like at all. light, like all different parts of the body stuff. But yeah, it was... It's enough to make you realize, wow, I haven't moved in six months. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> so here we are. How are, you, how are you doing, Tyler? Before we go, before we go ahead, I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't want to go to the gym yesterday, but I did anyway, and I guess I'm glad I went. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How I feel like that's. I guess I'm glad it happened. I got some good news, and I got a promotion at work, which oh, I'm yeah. very excited about. Um, That's fantastic. So, yeah, my my uh, my outlook is looking good right now. I'm particularly grateful in that, you know, so many people are out of jobs right now and everything. So, <sighs> it's crazy. Also, speaking of COVID, I learned I'm not going to be going back into the office in, like, the next wave. So, I am oh, indefinitely okay. work from home. Look at that. I don't Which know is, if it's a good or a bad thing. I think all in all, it's a good thing. Um, personally, I don't see much value in being in the office if most of your coworkers are out of the office anyway. I think that's, that's sort true. of, you know, it, it's very limiting in what you can actually do in person anyway. Never mind the fact that you can't be in a conference room with other people. Whatever. I don't yeah, want to talk about that odd. too much. But <laughs> um, basically, I get to just, you know, continue my current lifestyle of waking up rolling out of bed, going into a video meeting and, you know, it's it, the fact that I was able to like move into an apartment and out of my parents' house, parents singular, my, my mom's house, and, you know, establish my own place of living mm. is really nice given that I'm working from home for, you know, such a long time. <sighs> so... I'm doing very well. I'm reading more. You know how last time I said I bought books? Oh, yeah, you did tell me that. Typically, what I'll do is I'll buy books, and then that will give me the satisfaction as if I read them, and I won't read them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this time, I'm actually reading books. I've read two books, and I'm like a quarter way through another now, um, which is just like, you know, a faster rate of reading books than I've had since I was in middle school, basically. What What were the names of the books? Might as well plug them. Not really. I don't. I mean, they're not so great that I want to plug them necessarily. <laughs> but well, there's they're like a couple of personal finance books that are very helpful. 
Um, I Wait, okay, hold on. So you read like you didn't read like like a like a non or a fiction book. Like you read like like a, a financial so, book. You know how I was saying I buy books and then I get I'm satisfied that I bought them and then I don't actually yes. read them. Yeah. Um, I bought books that I want to read just out like fiction and some. I think no, they're all they're all fictional books that I bought recently that I want to read, but. Before I want, before I get to that, I want to force myself to read the books that I bought like four years ago that are like, <laughs> um, you know, personal finance and things yeah. like that. Four the hour work books. week is one of them. Um, that's pretty popular, or at least it was like ten years ago. Um, <laughs> now you're just catching up on. Yeah, it. I know. I'm I'm basically just catching up. There's probably some more relevant books out there now, but that's not one I ha- I've read yet. I've read some personal finance ones like. Um, everyday millionaire and i can teach you i i can teach you to be rich is the title of the other one you very can, nice if you google that you'll figure it out but both of them are actually basically about how people who aren't you know trust fund babies can accrue wealth as they grow and eventually be um affluent i guess not but not necessarily like you know driving around a lamborghini but like having a really stable financial situation yeah driving around like a used lamborghini a used yes exactly never buy new cars terrible (laughs) terrible terrible don't lease either um certified pre-owned baby free take financial advice from me the guy that you came to to listen to talk about red dead redemption (laughs) anyway i'm i'm very excited about that um i also started doing the uh, Pomodoro technique at work. Have you heard of this? I have no idea what that is. What is that? It's a work technique where you time yourself and you give yourself um, 25 minutes of focused work time. And you're supposed to give yourself a goal for that 25 minutes. So like, uh, I don't know. Pretend like you are writing a, a program. I don't, you and I are computer science guys. Mm-hmm. And you need to write a function that, that does a particular thing. You can give yourself 25 minutes and say, okay, in this 25 minutes, I'm going to write this function. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it blocks off your time and gives you an excuse essentially to focus. So if you get a ping and, and you get like three emails in that time, you're supposed to say, no, no, no. My goal right now is to, you know, work on the um, function, function that I want to work minutes. on. Yeah. Another thing it does is, you know, typically, especially when you're working at home, it's very easy to just like walk away from your desk and then you're in your kitchen and then you're looking in your fridge and then you're making tea. So instead of doing that with this technique, if you look at your timer and say, you know, I could just walk around and not do anything, but I only need to focus work for nine more minutes. And then I have and then I didn't even say this yet, but after the 25 minutes, you get a five minute break. Um and the break is like deliberate. You're not supposed to do any work. It's you. You just take the time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Something else that it does is it helps make you be more aware of like the passage of time. So you're less likely to, for example, just like like I, I'd say I'm not gonna sit and scroll through social media on my five minute break because I see the value in that now. So mm-hmm. I actually have like a a book because I'm reading next to my desk where I can just like read ten or however many pages on my break. Um, it's nice. I haven't I like done that. it too consistently. I'm trying to like ease my way into it because uh, it's not always. It doesn't feel like it's always appropriate if I'm, for example, like in a meeting. Well, obviously that doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> oh, guys, I'll be right back. That's 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I, I got my five minute break. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Let me finish my thought in five minutes. Um, yeah, so that's. I think I've talked for so long about this. I don't know. Speaking of the passage of time, Brevin, let's wow. get to the show. Look at that. We're on a five minute break now. Now it's the five. <laughs> it's our five minute podcast break <laughs> from our twenty five minute intro ramble focus. <sighs> All right. What are we doing now? Emails. We got emails, and I do want to talk to you a little bit. We have a, a very healthy, substantial amount of emails. Um, Ooh, very nice. And I was wondering, so we, we the, the nature of our podcast is, is great in that um, the video game Red Dead Redemption 2 will be around forever. And as people discover the game and they think, oh, I wonder if anyone's done an accompanying podcast for this, they'll find our podcast, mm-hmm. um, which is really great for our sake for discoverability and getting more people involved. But that means as we continue with the podcast, we're going to continue to get emails from people is there a cat in your background, Brevin? <laughs> yeah, I can there, very clearly hear there is that. A, there is it a probably won't right come through after we edit, but I, I hear it and I appreciate it. <laughs> She's just meowing. You know what? My cat does this. Sometimes she'll have a toy in her mouth and she'll walk around with it and meow until someone like comes and plays with her. That's what she's doing right now. She's fine now. She's quieted down. Oh, We're someone good. came and played with her? <laughs> she just gave up immediately. <laughs> um, as I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, Brevin. I apologize. Uh, people will write in with their experiences of like, you know, the first few chapters of Red Dead 2, mm-hmm. uh, which is not bad. And we've been reading those emails. But all of this to say, we don't actually have that many emails that have to do with where we are in Red Dead 1 right now. So, you know how as we played through Red Dead 2, we get emails that were like, oh, did, how how'd you guys feel about this mission that you just played where blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. So I'm wondering if it would make more sense moving forward to dedicate separate email episodes that. Like, like, for example, if we are going to play, discuss what we played up to this week. Ah, oh, shoot, we we totally blew it, Brevin. What what, what mission do we play up to already? Uh, like to this week we played yeah, up to the, the great uh, Mexican train, the robbery. great fantastic train robbery. Yeah, something like um, that. If you haven't played up to the great Mexican train robbery, I or, believe that's or whatever it's called, I'll double check. <laughs> yeah, um, then yes, stop. That, yeah, that's if you want to play along with us, because we're going to be discussing up to that mission eventually today. You're probably, I mean, if you're listening up to this point, you're probably already committed. So welcome. <laughs> you're you're on the the train robbery now. Um, so I I just wanted to get that out of the way because if you haven't played up to that mission, then play up to it and then come back and join us. Wow, what what was Whoa. I even saying? I feel I like. Even... My my preamble had preamble had preamble. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. So if if we wanted to like clean um, hone, I guess our email segment, we could say we'll only discuss emails pertaining to the missions that we played in this episode, and then later on we'll do a mailbag episode that will just. I do like that. You, you do like that. I do like that because that seems more streamlined. Okay, so I'm not gonna do that today. I think that's Which a, is fine. That's a good um, established pattern for us to take. Be, I mean, particularly I'm not going to do that today because I don't think I have a single email about the Mexican, um, not the, I mean, the Mexican missions, <laughs> I guess, but just like the missions that we played so far. Yep. So next week, if you want to be featured on next episode's um, email segment, write in about the missions that we're playing um, or just Red Dead 1 in general at this point, basically, because... We're still getting a lot of Red Dead 2 emails, and I particularly don't want to um, divert the focus. I mean, I, I'm the guy who cares about diverting the focus, really. I'm, 
I don't know, Brevin. I don't I'm know. just watching you. It's fine. Yeah, you're I'm really letting, letting me just drown over <laughs> here, aren't you? Like, you could... <sighs> on to the emails. On to the emails. First things first, um, was <laughs> not an email, so already off the, off the rails. Um, we got an Instagram direct message from someone named Ryan who sent us Ooh. a map... Um, and I sent you, I sent you this screenshot, Brevin. Mm-hmm. It's it's a fan rendition, I guess. I mean, it's not something that Rockstar put out, but it's it's just supposed to be an overlay map that represents where uh, Red Dead Two and I guess also Red Dead One locations would be had they been overlaid over the actual geographical United States and Mexico. So, what's so interesting about this map is, as you can imagine. All of the areas in the map are, like New Austin, for example, is like thousands of square miles. It's basically mm-hmm. like all of Texas, uh, which is sort of, I mean, to me, that's absurd. And I don't really jive with that, particularly in what I said to Ryan in the, in, in the direct message was, I'm coming from a perspective, when you play like Grand Theft Auto games, they're always in one city or one state like San Andreas. And that scale, even though it is shrunk down, makes sense to me because like if you said to me that that was a real state in real life, I'd be like, this is a small state. But also it could be a state. You know what I'm saying? It could be. Uh, Whereas now it's like, it doesn't make any sense in a, in a geographical perspective that all of the United States could be so tightly constrained. Um, I don't know, Brevin, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts there? Help me out, man. Help like, me out. So, so what it seems is this is why Rockstar didn't put a, you know, geographical map of the United States as the map for Red Dead and then just put like, you know, New Austin as like Texas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they okay, didn't like... so they if they wanted to, they could have given their map the outline of the United States. Yeah, and they had could it, have. Like have you walk out onto Florida and it's like three by three feet, just mm-hmm. super tiny. Yeah. Yeah. This is why they didn't do that. So This is what happens when you try to force the map into something that's not. Let's go with that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, w- it wouldn't be a problem if they didn't have Mexico, right? Because you can say, oh, maybe this is just some area in the United States that's really biographically, not biographically, bio- <laughs> geographically, what, uh, like biomes, relating to biomes, oh, diverse. Oh, biomegraphically, yeah. Biomegraphically diverse. <laughs> uh, but instead, because Mexico is there, it adds this sense of scale where it's like, okay, either this is all directly on the border of Mexico and like a really tiny part of Texas that happens to have, you know, tall trees in it, which doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense, or it's supposed to represent the entire size of the United States. Um, end of the day, Brevin, thinking too much about it. I think it's yeah. fine. I think exactly. it's fine. Just but let it be. I just, I, th- I think just seeing the map bothers me because it's like, yeah, I guess that is what it's supposed to be like, but I don't want to think about it. No, you're not supposed to. You're supposed no. to take it for what it is in the main menu. That being said, thank you so much, Ryan, for sending that in. I think it's it's a it great way. Cool. We were very confused. I remember early on of like even even I was like I don't know what like are you in a state or a county or yeah, what. Yeah. Um, so I think that does add some clarity, and I'm happy to have it. Brevin, follow, next no first email, first email. <laughs> okay. I'm on oh, fire yeah, today, huh? Like yeah, look you at me. Just... I am just all cylinders. Dave from the UK writes in to the reflectors 
Wow. Isn't that cool? That I, is kind of cool. I was going to keep reading, but then I realized that's a really cool name for us. Reflectors. Like we can start wearing reflector vests and, and sunglasses, Brevin. Yeah, dude. We can just wear a mirror on our face. Be great. <laughs> face mirrors, as they do. <laughs> um, maybe we should call... Maybe that's a good name for our fan base. You know how everyone says, like, what's up? Um, blah 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 army or whatever the the vloggers you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so you said army, yeah. Then it clicked. Yeah, yeah. The reflector like the, army, the ninja oh. army, or whatever it would be. The ninja army. Oh We're gonna call our fans reflectors from now on, which is funny because right, literally reflectors are like things you put in your driveway so the snow plow doesn't hit your curb. But that's what our fans are. <laughs> that's what our fans are. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Oh, the man. reflectors, man. That's that's. That's really good. Uh, I like it. Thank you, Dave. That's not the whole email, though. He's got like a whole other... <laughs> we have we are on great pace for this episode. Woo. All right. Back to Dave's email. This is going to be a long one, dot, dot, dot. All right. So a couple of times you guys have mentioned at what point you get Arthur's guns back after John takes over. Having literally just played the mission, I can tell you what happens after the mission in which you kill the leader of the Laramie gang, who, fun fact, is voiced by Stephen Ogg. Who is Stephen Ogg, Brevin? Oh, he's, um, that's Trevor from uh, Voice of GTA, Trevor. Right? Also the deputy to the guy in, in, oh no, Walking Dead. That's what the show is called. The bat, bat guy. I haven't watched it. I've never seen tell. it um, uh, Owen's ideas. Uh, so yes, I like having, I like understanding exactly when you get the guns back. It seems interesting that, well, I guess I guess you get the guns back after he like pulls out his cowboy <clears throat> chest from below the bed and puts yeah, on all yeah, his gear like to go on, after him. Yeah, he puts on like the vest or like you know his belts. Yeah. Thing. So it's I guess the intention is not to say that John suddenly got those guns on his person, but he had them stored away and had always had Arthur's guns, but was never using them for Abigail's sake and for the sake mm-hmm. of creating a stable lifestyle. Owen's idea about a Sadie game and how she went from crazed killer to bounty hunter. Well, I love the idea. Uh, I messed up the reading (laughs) tonality of that, but um, you get the point. Dave likes the idea. My mind instantly took me to a Dexter-esque story involving Sadie on a killing spree and someone older and wiser coming along. Something like a Landon Ricketts, perhaps? And showing her how to direct that anger in a better direction. Uh, He's talking about Dexter, the TV show. Not Dexter's Laboratory, but the one with the guy who kills people. (laughs) I thought it was Dexter's Laboratory. (laughs) You guys discussed why John doesn't wear Arthur's hat in Red Dead 1. Well, Brevin's fantastic point of Arthur wearing that hat from the beginning would have hinted at potentially huge spoilers. But also during the epilogue of Red Dead 2, John does wear Arthur's hat during the action missions up until he returns to his his cabin and opens the gift from Abigail which is his outfit from Red Dead 1. So you sort of... Do you remember this, Brevin? <clears throat> Abigail yeah. says she has a package to pick up. I think she even says that oh, it's, yeah, it's a dress. Oh, yeah, I was so confused on that. And then you were like... You you came to the next episode of the podcast. You were like, I don't know what happened there. You were very confused. But the point of that scene is to show that that is the point at which John gets his ranching clothes, mm-hmm. um, which, as we will find out as we continue our Red Dead 1 playthrough... Spoilers for Red Dead 1, by the way, if you aren't aware of that. Um... That's the outfit that John wears after he gets back to his ranch in the <clears throat> epilogue Shady of Red Bell. Dead 1. What? Is it Shady Bell? No, 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 no. What is it called? It is... Uh, what, Breach- what is Shady Bell, then? Breacher's Hope. Oh, yeah, it is Breacher's Hope. Shady Bell? Is that... Oh, it's something. Is that the other building that you take go in? in it might be too? the old abandoned mansion. I think that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Where you get assaulted by the... Uh, 
Oh no! See now I can't remember the name of the enemy gang. It's either. fine. It's wrong. It's it's Breacher's Hope, and we can move on. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Brevin. See that? Now you're now you're earning your co-host uh, pay. <laughs> you just have to be mean. So. so so what Dave is implying here is that not only does John get the outfit in that scene, but also his iconic hat. I don't know if that's true or not. Do you? Th- I feel like I, I feel like I remember him getting like his full outfit, like including the hat. You can obviously switch between Arthur's hat and John's hat. It's not called John's hats. It, like, actually has a name. Yeah, write in if you have any clarity on that, reddeadcast at gmail.com. Um, because I'm curious, because if if that is true that Abigail is the one that gets John his actual iconic hat, I think that's, like, a really nice sentiment um, that really helps better solidify his relationship with her throughout the events of Red Dead 1 as well, because it's like he yeah. has a constant reminder of her. Not that he isn't always Ooh, thinking like of her that. otherwise. Yeah, see, isn't that nice? <clears throat> that is nice. All right, Brevin. Have you ever had a friend who is nice to you but horrible to everyone else? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I feel like I would be <laughs> friends with someone like that. That really was meant as a rhetorical question, I think. But I just wanted to put you on the spot and see if you said anything. I don't think I. Ha- no, I don't think I've ever had a friend that was just a friend nice who was to nice me. to you but horrible to everyone else. I mean, that's extreme. I think. Um, he he's only saying this to say that is Leopold Strauss. He was a friend to the gang, but outside of that, he wasn't a great person. Then again, who really was? We saw a lot of the gang looking out for each other, but anyone else was expendable. He also didn't rat the gang. Excuse me. Brought the gang out even when he was being tortured. So, yeah. So Strauss, this is talk, talking about. Um, we we've talked about this several times. So I don't want to dwell too much on it. But um, I like the idea of the perspective of like someone who's nice to you but not nice to other people, because I think that's a lot about what the gang was. Not necessarily in a like belief system way where they just you know, wanting to be mean to other people. Maybe Micah, for example. But I think it was in like a necessary for survival sort of way where, you know, in order for this gang to persist and be, they needed to be mean, I guess, is the simple way of putting it to people outside of their gang. Well, yeah, it's like every man for themselves, you know? Like the whole gang, you could say, is like the man and then everyone else is just... You gotta go against them. <laughs> you okay? So you're applying the every man for themselves. That's not a metaphor. I don't know what that is. It's like a, a phrase. But the you're phrase. saying that the man, the gang is the man, and but, then everyone else is the themselves. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the point of that is to say every man is for themselves. So yeah. So like, think of like all the different gangs and like groups of people as the man's. So and every like, every gang for themselves, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. But okay. I, like, <laughs> I like the really weird way of saying it more. That's amazing. Thank you, Brevin. Thank you for being here. Wow. <sighs> All right. Back to back to Dave's email. As far as the question of whose game is game is it, <clears throat> this is my view. Red Dead 1 is John's game. Red Dead 2 is Arthur's game. But the Red Dead series belongs to Dutch. John what what you thought he was gonna say john there i thought he was gonna say john why does it belong to john more than it belongs to dutch because john's you don't play as dutch is dutch (laughs) even that big of a point in red dead one like i don't even know yet we haven't gotten that far i will say 
it's he's weirdly absent. He's mentioned a few times, but like, man, I mean, we'll we'll talk about when we get to the missions. But you spent a lot of time in Mexico, but like, we are still in Mexico, isn't it insane? I yeah, I don't know why. I think it was it's coming off of playing through Guarma. You're sort of like, oh, we'll just do like a quick thing in Mexico, get Bill Williamson, Javier Escuela, and then we'll move back up to where things are really happening in Mm -hmm. the northeast of the map. Um, I forget what that area is called. But no, we are like <laughs> we've done what, like <clears throat> at least like fifteen missions almost. Like, yeah, I'm looking Mexico. forward to talking about it because we left off. I was pretty hot and bothered about how John was acting in Mexico and his actions, and I think I don't know. Like the fact that we're spending so much time in Mexico is making me reconsider Rockstar's intentions with this narrative because it's not really like John went <clears throat> down there to aid a short little rebel not not aid the rebellion but aid the su- suppressing tyrant and then just yep. left like he's still there which is sort of weird to me that he's still in mexico and we're still doing stuff and it's and like the fact that like just like what has happened to like further john's narrative i understand that like the narrative between the mexican like government and the the rebels that has been furthered like we've learned a lot about what's going on with that but like what what has john gotten from any of this nothing yet We've literally been in Mexico and nothing has been gained from John. (laughs) From John's perspective. Which I guess is sort of how the plot was set up in the beginning of the game too. Because, you know, he spends (laughs) how many missions just helping out this creepy grave robber guy and then the snake oil salesman. And then finally Mm -hmm. at the assault on Fort Mercer, he actually makes some progress. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Ah, man, I don't know. We'll get there when we get there. I want to get back to Dave's email because we got a lot of emails to get through. Yeah, let's get through it. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It is interesting. Okay. Back to Dave. Man of the hour. Hour? Sure. Man of the minute. Man of the minute. Man of the probably about 25 minutes that we spend reading an email. Because <laughs> that's how slow we are. We're st- you're still looking for something. Aren't you? I'm, I'm finding my place. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he even, he even goes on to say, or is, or is it Jack's narrative because he's alive throughout both games? Oh, I, I don't think it's, yeah, I, I don't, don't, I, don't kinda, buy that. I don't, yeah, it's not Jack's narrative. Come on, come on, Jack, work your damn nag. Knights of the round table. That's what this is all about. That's right. So then he goes on to talk about Arthur being a character on being the main character in Red Dead 1 instead of John. Uh, Tyler, you said the thought. You said you thought Arthur was more sensible than John. Well, I disagree. Arthur did everything asked, Dutch asked right up, right up until the last 30 or so minutes of his life, even though he knew it was wrong and dangerous. He may have said, this is a bad idea, Dutch, a lot, but never actually went against him. Other than loyalty, he had no real reason to stick around and put himself through everything he did when it all started going bad and Dutch had clearly lost it. He could have just walked away, especially when Mary offered to leave, leave with him. He would have still died, but at least he would have been nicer. Yeah, that is a good point. I, I like I like the vision of Arthur just like walking, piecing out. But I think that is so like anti-Arthur that it's a different person at that point, right? Yeah, Arthur's a very loyal person, so he's not just going to walk out. He's going to do everything he possibly can to, you know, make people see his way rather than just dip. Yeah, and so we're talking about sensibility here. I don't know that Arthur's being loyal is 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 an argument for him not being sensible i think he's basically sacrificing his um 
his like intelligence and like decision making skills for our for Dutch. He's like, mm-hmm. okay, I yep. I don't think this is a good idea, but because you say it is, and I trust you, I'm going to continue with it. Mm-hmm. But in in the scope of Red Dead One, where like a theoretical alternative where Arthur was there trying to do what John's doing and he was by himself and he didn't have a Dutch distracting him. I think moment to moment, Arthur is more sensible and he would be more. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. We, we, I don't know what he would have done differently exactly in Red Dead one, but he definitely wouldn't be doing what John's doing. <clears throat> no, he wouldn't be wasting his time, especially in Mexico. Like what is Arthur? What, how would Arthur have handled Mexico differently? Maybe he would have hung out with Len Ricketts a little bit. Would he have killed those three peasants? I don't know that he would have done that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that either. Um, and it, I don't think he would have put up with the uh, Mexican dictator, especially after seeing so many women get dragged away to the house and everything. No, he definitely he definitely would not have. That's for sure. <sighs> so he continues to talk about John. John, however, had his family taken and held hostage in Red Dead 1 until he did as he was told. John tried his best to approach Bill peacefully at first, which was sensible. Um, And then he appreciates that he did get cocky and eventually get shot. John saw Dutch for the selfish man he was way earlier than everyone else. He started questioning things, knowing knowing even if anything happened to him, his family would still basically have a small army to protect them. If anything, I think Arthur is more reckless as he would have ran in on his own, shot up the place, and been a complete BA whilst doing it. Although, um, also, John only ended up in this situation because he had settled down and was enjoying his life. As you and Brevin pointed out, he was the easy target. So this is where it gets interesting, Brevin. He says, for a little question, if Arthur had been the character in Red Dead 1, what leverage would the government use on him? What leverage? So he wouldn't have anyone to take. So they can't use that. I mean, I guess he could. Unless unless he, like, settled down with, uh, somehow found Mary after she left. I think he would have found Mary, right? Or no, because he gets a letter that she left for good before he dies, right? Yeah, but did she really leave for good? Come on. You think, I mean, if Arthur, if Ar- yeah, if I'm Mary and Arthur shows up eventually, I'm, I'm falling for Arthur again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. How can you not, um, right? Maybe he has like a dog or something. I feel like they could take <laughs> his dog. A dog, yeah, a horse. Oh, I just thought of the scene. Um, don't even don't even make me think about it. I'm thinking it could be something more, more broad. Like Arthur seems to have a greater social awareness than John does, and he seems to care about people in a broader <clears throat> sense, like Native Americans, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like blackmail. I mean, essentially, be like, listen, we're gonna, you know, either either you help us do this or we're going to kick these native americans off their reservation or something like that that level of oh yeah threat yeah. yeah um even though i mean that seems so up like that would never really happen i don't think because that's such a weird threat to make and arthur would actually probably wisely say oh no you're just going to do that anyway it's only a matter of when you do it yeah. so why would i do yeah. anything for you um i don't know that's weird that's weird do this or we're gonna kill you maybe that's maybe that's the uh <laughs> I mean, that's basically it, right? But even even to that point, wouldn't Arthur just be like, nah, just kill me then? I feel like he probably would. If he was with nobody and he was just living alone, like, why would he even care? He's or he'd go person. down fighting. Or, yeah, that too. And to his credit, maybe John would act the same way if he didn't have a family. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm I've been thinking a lot lately about the differences between Arthur and John, where it counts, and John just not he's not my guy. I'm I'm real team Arthur. I agree. Arthur's just more interesting. He's more interesting and he's more intentional in his morals and actions and he seems to care more in a way that John fails where he probably cares a great deal about his his wife and his child but he doesn't bring that forward in other aspects of his life which then makes him seem hollow even hypocritical a little bit uh which is an issue like for example with the scene with you know not not doing anything to try to save you know the mexican people and just shooting Mm -hmm. people shows that he isn't able to um empathize in a meaningful way beyond his immediate circle so and i think arthur does a better job of that i mean just just the fact that he's willing to like have a conversation with the native american chief and then try to work with him to or or trying to save the captain of the army right before he knows he's going to get killed like he he sees other people's struggles and then tries to inject himself in them as best as he can for their sake where john oh my john gosh. just does it john just does whatever to get whatever he needs his actions are driving me crazy in mexico i can't wait to talk about it but my gosh john like get yourself together man get yourself john's together a lo- john's a loose cannon john is he's not a loose i mean is he? I think I think he's a very well maintained cannon that is just willing to be used by whoever walks up. And <laughs> he's asks. a free cannon. He's a free cannon. Yeah, he just John. Yeah, like just have a little, have a little self respect, John. Don't just offer yourself out to do work for anyone who comes along and says, "Oh, I I might know about this Escuela guy. Just come right, and mow, entire mow my lawn. Tell me what to do. I'll, I'll do yeah. whatever it is." <laughs> <sighs> all right uh he wants to elaborate dave back to dave's email on his feeling of arthur's sacrifice being wasted arthur died to let john escape and have a happy settled life every time the marson settled john would mess it up somehow get in a fight shoot people etc abigail is complaining about it while they arrive back in strawberry at the beginning of the epilogue then when he finally does get settled he finally gets Ab- abigail and jack back to beecher's hope oh i said breacher's hope before it is beecher's hope beecher's hope okay he then goes after Micah, and by the end of Red Dead 2, agents have found him, so did he ever get any time for Arthur's sacrifice to be worth it? <sighs> you know, it's interesting that he, he, Dave brings up the point that they keep on, you know, messing up their settling down, like when John will get in a fight. Mm-hmm. I do think that John, John doesn't just, like, pick fights for no reason. I don't think he's that fiery. Um but like, like I, I imagine the reason why he got in a fight was for a good reason. For example, when the three people followed him and Jack while they were riding back to the ranch and then he had to kill those three people. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that there is a better way out of that situation for John and Jack. <clears throat> well, and he put it off for so long, too. You could obviously see like he was thinking about it quite a bit. Yes, that's true. That's true. He he took measured steps to avoid that violence. So I don't know. I mean... So, first of all, I don't really know how much time happens between when he goes after Micah and when the agents find and exploit him. So that, yeah, yeah, we don't know. Well, I mean, we do. We could know. It. I think it is like four years or something. Not really that long. Like, if you think about f- four years ago for you, Brevin, does that feel like a long time ago? No, it doesn't feel long at all. Oh, gosh. I don't want to start thinking yeah, about don't, that. Yeah, don't start bringing that up. 
Ah, um, so was it a lot of time? I, ah, see, (sighs) I think either way, John got to live the life that he wanted. I mean, even though it wasn't for as long, probably as he wanted to, like it was there, it still existed. So it's not like the sacrifice was for nothing. So (sighs) Brevin, have you ever been in an experience where you care a great deal about something but you don't have the time to like do the thing that you want to do. So you say to someone else, Hey, can you, can you mow the lawn for me? Can you go grocery shopping for me? For example, yeah, I've had that happen before. Um, and then the other person does it. And it's very clear that they're just like, not nearly as invested as you. And it's just yes. like a rushed botch job where, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they, they just get replacement things or they don't get everything on the grocery list or they miss a bunch of parts of the lawn. Yep that's how i feel when it when i look at arthur saying to john you know live your life get out of here because arthur has a sense a greater sense and passion for what it means to live a good life and what's what's important than john i think so like like for example if you if you just want to do a thought experiment what if what if arthur somehow made it out of Arthur did and John didn't. And I don't want to say Arthur ended up with Abigail and Jack because that's weird. But mm-hmm. he found his own family. I think he would be like every every fiber in his being would be proactive in protecting that family. Proactive is the key word mm-hmm. in protecting that family and maintaining their safety and lifestyle. And also not, not only that, but also just like appreciating the lifestyle, which I mean, it's very hard to do those two things at the same time, of course. But he would have moved to Beecher's Hope. He would have gone way far Ooh, away. Yeah. Canada, yeah. he would have been maybe even Fiji with his family. And he would have set up... He, he would have probably proactively thought like, okay, if the agents are going to come after me or some sort of law, what sort of fail-safes can I put into place so that I or at least my family is protected and will be able to get out? Mm-hmm. John, on the other hand, basically fumbles around the same area that he was in when he was a gangster he, you know, haphazardly get goes from job to job, eventually works his way up to do something. And he, you know, Abigail isn't happy with him because he's not really committing or doing everything he can do. Or maybe he's being too, I don't know, whatever Abigail's criticisms are. <laughs> like, John ultimately seems far less intentional. That's my point. If If he had really put the effort and thought into living a a lifestyle that was worthy of arthur's sacrifice he could have done it but he didn't and that i know i literally like last week or whatever said oh well it's about the time they had i'm i'm on the other side brevin i'm flipping the argument john it did not make arthur's sacrifice worthwhile i've said it that's it what do you i'm gonna stay with my opinion where i'm gonna be like you know he he did get to feel what normal life felt like was it you know, a full sacrifice in the sense that you got everything out of it he possibly could, you know, not even close. Um, John kind of bumbled his way, like you said, just through, through not through life, but you kind of just like, what, what's the word that I'm trying to think of the phrase where you like just, um, it's like follow the leader. I don't know. It's not really what it is. Yeah, I mean, living you know passively. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it, living passively. He just kind of was along for the ride. That's what I'm f- yeah, trying to yeah. think of. Yeah, which... If you're listening to this podcast right now and you feel like you're living along for the ride, stop. 
do something intentional and Stop do everything intentional. Stop the ride. Say, excuse <laughs> me, sir, I must get off and then jump off when he doesn't stop in time. Because you need to live your own life and make decisions intelligently and consider what it means to live a good life and then live through that consideration. John doesn't do that. And that's what's so frustrating for me. And then he ends up lazily, you know, traipsing around Mexico, aiding in a, like terrible ethics, like mm -hmm. no sense for a greater morality. Ah, oh, John, what? Like, come on, man. I want to like call up John like he's an old friend of mine and be like, what are you doing, man? What is going on with your life? You, you know gotta... what's funny? It's like John needs to listen to somebody, it feels like. Like John has Abigail to listen to when they're trying to live a normal life, but he loses Abigail, so he just starts listening to whoever is like there, <laughs> just giving him orders. Abigail is like a stopper for John's just complacence and everything, where, where yeah. she's like a focal point for John so that he doesn't end up just listening. He doesn't just wander around and just, you know, commit atrocities because that's what he would do. If he just ran into the wrong person and be like, oh, can you go do these horrible things for me? He'd be like, well, yeah, if you tell me where Javier Escuela is. <laughs> what kills me, what kills me is that, you know, just as Dave mentioned earlier, John is making these judgments early in Red Dead 2 where he's saying, you know, Dutch isn't what he used to be. He's not making sound decisions. We're not doing mm -hmm. the right thing anymore. So did, did, did John lose that side of himself? He devolved. Or, I mean, it's funny to put it that way because obviously that history of John was developed literally after Red Dead 1. But it still seems like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know. We got to think about the fact, too, that, like, does he really have any options? Like, like it's, it's, it's tough when you go to Mexico and you don't know anyone. Like, you kind of just got to, you got to do what they tell you, you know? The option is not helping the rapist. That's the option that you take. Like what you have to, the uh, obviously I, I'm so like troubled by this because Rockstar is setting this up to anger someone like me. They're supposed to mm -hmm. put John up to say, <laughs> look at all these terrible things John's doing in pursuit of his family. Not, not to say, you know, Rockstar isn't trying to portray that as a good thing. They're mm -hmm. just saying, this is the story that we're telling, which I respect. But then I think like, okay, but what is ultimately the point? Like, why? what am I supposed to draw from this? Is it, like... <sighs> I think we should get back to the emails, Brevin. Yeah, let's get back to the emails. My gosh. I, I'm getting worked up, and we're, we're just starting. Oh, yeah. We're not even... We're not even close to there yet. <sighs> so, yeah. Is Arthur's sacrifice worth it? My new opinion this week, today, No. <laughs> this Brevin, week, two days specifically. Brevin is holding on to yes. Let us know yeah. what you guys think. Anyone else? Right at castgmail.com. Um, Dave concludes with a PS. Uh, oh. he, he wants to... He, he Okay, so he has one suggestion for our Cyberpunk podcast name that is very good. And I'm not going to say it because we might use it's it. that good? Wow. So... I, I think it's pretty like it's it's uh, it's not like blowing my mind but it's good enough <laughs> for <laughs> it's good enough for like we might actually use that name so thank mm -hmm. you dave you know what i'm talking about no one else does yet i don't even know what you're talking about but one funny one that he suggests is um combining your and my first initials brevin to call it cyberpunk tb <laughs> which would of course also be a reference to arthur's fate at the end of yeah. red dead two and 
our history in podcasting, which is just that's funny. I like that. That's funny. That's, I don't want to do it. I don't no. want. I don't want cyberpunk tuberculosis to be the long name of our podcast. But man, that thank you so much for the name suggestions, Dave. I will seriously consider the other one though. I think that's that's very wise. I don't know, man. Wise. I don't know if cyberpunk's even going to come out at this point. It's just going to. It did delayed. get delayed. We should talk about that. It got delayed to November. Yep, and that's all there is to talk about. Moving on. <laughs> wow, are you so you are you are you fed up with the pace of this? Do you want me to go? No, faster? I'm not. I'm just messing with you. I'm oh, trying okay. to keep us on track. I appreciate it. You know who else wants to keep us on track? Who? Thomas. Thomas. He writes in with a subject line that says Team Bonnie, um, which is funny because he doesn't mention mention Bonnie in his email, but I think he just wants us to let let us know that he's Bonnie over Abigail. I understand. Um. Ooh, I don't know. Okay, hold on. All right. I don't I'm not even gonna start to talk about it. I was we gonna say it. I'm team Bonnie, but I don't know if I'm team Bonnie over <laughs> Abigail, to be honest. Yeah, we'll talk about that eventually, I'm sure. But anyway, Thomas's email. Hello, my friends. I have not sent in an email in a while, but I hope this short one will make up for it. The dueling mechanic is tricky. There is a bar on the right side, I think, but every time you press the trigger, a notch goes up. The point is yep. to be higher on the bar than your opponent by the end. If you draw too fast, every time you click, it will only be a small amount. You have to wait a little bit before drawing. If you notice you remove, if you noticed your removal does the thing where it gets, oh, I think I meant to say reticle, does the thing where it gets small really quick and then okay i'm sorry i sort of lost what you were saying here towards the end of the email tom but I'm, thomas but i'm just going to move on he's trying to explain the dueling mechanic that you and i were confused by yeah. brevin yeah and that um, makes sense but it's just terribly done like i don't i don't we're not terribly but it's not done as well as, as it should be i feel like it's not it's not explained and whenever it shows the little tutorial thing in the top right you need to be doing the thing in the tutorial tutorial like right now so you're yep. not able to comprehend that information and then also do it I wish it was more like a video game where they, like, take you out of the game completely. They, like, pop up a little screen and it's like, this is how you duel. <laughs> Do you like And it, the, like, shows a little video. Like the Enter the Animus Assassin's Creed training yeah, exactly. segments. Yeah, that would be cool. Just, I, like, I don't want to, I don't want to know just enough about the dueling mechanics so that I can win duels. I want to know everything about it. I want to know, like, really, like, why... Why can I move my hand? Does that actually do anything? If it doesn't do anything, that's fine, but I'd like to know. And then... No, it's not fine if it doesn't do anything. It's stupid. But... Why uh, even put it in the game? Yeah, okay, sure. But um, he says, if you draw too fast, then every time you... Uh, Thomas, back to Thomas' email, every time you click, it'll only increase in a small amount. I don't even know, like, I trust you, Thomas, but that's not substantiated right does it ever say that in the game anywhere that if you draw too so. fast i think it just says you want to wait or else you'll do worse i don't know does, if it does it even explains. say that because i i always just draw right away and maybe that's my problem like well, do you wait so you draw you like want... a literal you uh -huh, you draw like literally immediately as soon as like the screen pops up like okay no, here we go okay no i do react to when the guy draws and then i just okay. mash the left trigger or whatever it is so but... i think you're doing it right you just don't want to pull before that you know oh is that what he means by too quickly by like, i'm pretty sure okay because that's i thought he was saying like jumping even, the starting even after the other person draws you wait a little bit some arbitrary yeah, amount and then you draw because that doesn't make any sense dumb, to me. yeah yeah because then that defeats the purpose of it being a draw okay i get it i get it uh all right so thank you thomas i hope we i hope we get more clarity eventually on the dueling mechanic i don't know at the same time like you don't need well you do need to do it in one pivotal moment that we have yet to experience but yeah you know what before that mission brevin i'm sure you know what i'm talking about i want to I think i do i want to learn everything there is to know about the 
that's my that's my goal for next week. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to figure out exactly what this mechanic is. And everyone, next week, if you're listening to this podcast, you will know exactly what's going on there. You I honestly hope you don't find anything, and it's just some <laughs> weird mechanic that has no information. There's no it, explanation think... on the internet. Like everyone's yeah, like, I don't know what's going. No one, like no one's cared enough about this to do anything writing on it. Oh, I highly doubt that. I found I found extensive writing about the origin of the word berry. Do you remember that, Brevin? So yeah, I but think... people care about that. No one cares about the, <laughs> the draw. Do people care? Do people care about that, Brevin? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently we do. Yes, enough to just ruin our podcast. Self-sabotage with explanations of that. <sighs> anyway, Thomas ends with, uh, thanks for the podcast. I hope you have an above average day. What a nice modest hope that is not to have a great day but just above your average a little bit yeah a little bit better than normal Mm. not too good Mm. i'll try thomas thank you (laughs) thank you uh another another separate email he says literally just contains the words master chief man what does that mean (laughs) brevin i don't know what that you don't know what that means so i have a theory i was sort of hoping for you to come up with one (laughs) I think I think he's referring to our conversation we had last week about good characters in game besides Arthur Morgan and John Marston. And we were both All like, right. I don't know, I guess Nathan Drake or something. And I bet you I bet you Thomas was listening to the podcast and then he opened up his phone or whatever and sent an email that just said Master Chief Man as a response to art. So it's a good thing yeah, I happened to remember that we had that conversation because otherwise If that's know, the case, I, I don't agree. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna leave it at that. I don't agree. Ooh, I he's the silent, not quite silent protagonist. That because uh... he's it, it, it's all right. We'll talk about this for like a minute. Set all right after this. See, we'll, we'll we'll work for a minute on set this, a timer. And we'll take yeah. Set a timer. <laughs> no, so like it, it's weird with with Master Chief because uh, Halo spoilers are ahead. Um, Halo 1 through 3 have definitely a noticeably different tone for Master Chief than Halo 4, and I didn't even really play 5, so I don't really know, but Halo 4, Master Chief, like, seems to, like, be in his feelings, you know? He seems to, like, actually, like, care about what's... He's, like, well, not in, actually in love care. with Cortana and... Yeah, there's, like, some thing. weird romance thing going... No, I'm just kidding. It's not romance, but it's the fact that, like, he treats... It's, like, a father-daughter relationship, almost? Yeah, he treats, he treats Cortana he like she's, like, family, basically, rather than, like, you know, in AI. Ones and zeros. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's Master Chief's a little weird because the whole three four three and Bungie thing, where they just took them in completely different, <laughs> you know, directions. Oh yeah, I mean, I honestly, I when when he says Master Chief, I think we should just nullify anything after Halo Three, shouldn't I'm we? I'm so okay with that because anything after Halo Reach, I should say, anything after Bungie Halo. That's but what he's not in Halo Reach, is he? Except that's maybe yeah. okay, like so yeah. one Easter egg scene. Or yeah, something. he's in like an Easter egg scene. But get rid of everything that Bungie didn't do, and Halo's great. See, I think what's what makes Master Chief interesting is that he's just like he's a super soldier. He's he's a Spartan in the classic sense that he was raised to be a soldier from when he was like six years old or whatever. He has an excellent excellent voice, and he does. He has a great voice. He has a great sense of order and confidence in everything that he does. Mm-hmm. Which always impresses me, which I think I'm I'm missing now that I'm playing as John Marston, where I'm like, man, I wish I had a character that was like, don't worry, the situation's under control when I'm around. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but but how much how much is there beyond that with Master Chief? I don't know. You could talk about the Arbiter and how the Master Chief, you know, get to get along and manage to work out like basically a truce between 
the elites and the humans, which is pretty crazy. I mean, they don't necessarily do it themselves, but, you know, they're a big part of it. Because they're forced to work together. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Halo's awesome. I love Halo. Halo is awesome. But I almost feel like all of the ODST characters are more interesting than Master Chief. And all the Reach characters, I would even say. Yeah. Most of them. Not all of them. But I like. I think I like ODST better because they're less colorful characters. And well, yeah, they actually feel like soldiers. Yeah. Like they... Buck is probably the most colorful. And Buck and Dare. I gotta play ODST again, man. That game it's is a great so game. good. It's so a great good. game. All right. What well, was that a minute? Let's say that was a minute, Brad. Yeah, it was roughly a minute. Now we can stop. Five minutes. <laughs> five seconds. Wait, a five minute break every one minute of work. Every I love minute. That lifestyle, man. <laughs> Ah, all right. Thank you so much for your emails, Thomas. Really appreciate it. Um, I was gonna say give us more context next time, but I I, I, it's I more love fun it. without it. Yeah, yeah you want to keep us on our toes, just write in. Anonymous writes in. Um, oh. This is one where I don't know that they want to be anonymous, but they didn't explicitly sign their email, so I'm going to keep it anonymous. Hmm. Hi guys, I'm on episode 7 having listened to one episode a day during this week. So a new writer. I'm saying that they're a new writer. <laughs> and I just wanted to thank you guys for doing this. I'm playing Red Dead 2 more than a year after its release and I have nobody to share it with and your banter is hilarious. Keep on keeping on. Uh, P.S. My cousin has another couple of million dollars and needs to transfer it to the U.S. You think you could help? The catch is that it's in the form of horse snacks that you can sell. Could be a business opportunity. What do you think? Anonymous. What do you think? Do you wanna? <laughs> I mean, I he is anonymous for the sake of the podcast, but I have his email. So if we want to try to, you know, get this money in the shape of horse snacks into the U.S., do you think that it's a good time to be selling horse snacks right now? I think it's a great time. Why? But snacks. like, it's right after they, a pandemic, are the dude, horses like... quarantined? Like, do they need to stock up on snacks even? <laughs> I, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> You no, are my I'm business not, partner here, Brev, and we need to know these I sort of things. If we want to go into the COVID. horse snack business, man, we got to be in tune with the topical events. I don't know anything about horse COVID relations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wish I could, like, be a fly on the wall on, like, every business, like, while COVID was going down. Like, what were they talking about? Like, just even, like, the like the dog food, like, businesses. What were they talking about? Like, I, all people I was are going to be stocking up. I was thinking about movie theaters. Like, if you're oh a movie theater and, you're, like, if you're a manager at a movie theater, for example, or maybe higher up than that, like someone who, who was in charge of multiple theaters, are you going through and saying, okay, so we can block off every five seats or whatever it is and then mm-hmm. let people come into the theater and, like, working out all these operational challenges? Or do you just say, you know what? Let's just close. It's never it's never going to get better for us. Like, we, we are on a downward trajectory already now we have a pandemic that we have to account for. Like, wouldn't you just cut your losses at that point? Just exit out. It's fine. The government gracefully? will save you. So who cares? Well, <laughs> if you if you are in that position where you own multiple movie theaters, you're probably all set, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I would be I would be out of that business so fast, man. Like it, like when COVID happened, or just like in general. Like Both, if you I happen guess. to find your way as. <laughs> As a, you know, a multi-theater owner for a theater franchise, if you just happen to find your way, you'd be like, "Well, I can't be here. I'm done." <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be grateful to have made it to that position for sure. But um, as soon as it happened, you'd be like, "I'm out. I'm out. I can't do this." Not <laughs> I'm after making you took the an intentional choice. <laughs> um, yeah. So 
wow what a what a podcast this is what an episode thank you so much for the email anonymous i'll think about the horse snack opportunity and get back to you brevin and i need to iron out what exactly is going on in the horse world yeah um yes jeremy writes in and interestingly his subject is team john so wow that's that's kind of weird is that is is it team john versus versus team abigail or is it team i'm sorry team team bonnie Bonnie. yeah because thomas said team bonnie and now jeremy's team john apparently i'm definitely not team john at this point i don't know you are not you're i anti john i want to listen back to what i was saying about john at the start of the at the start of season one because i don't know man i think i'm falling out of love with him i'm just gonna say it (laughs) jeremy writes in hey guys have been totally immersed in playing red dead 2 online so i didn't start playing red dead 1 with you guys honestly i've been putting it off because of the beauty of red dead 2 and didn't want to relive a 10 year old game but dot 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 four dots actually dot 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 Yesterday, a storm came through and the internet was out. I wanted to get the Wild West fixed, so I restarted Red Dead Redemption. I'm playing on an Xbox One S, and I've recently bought a new 4K TV with HDR. It's obviously it's obviously not running 4K, but it's way more stunning than I ever than I have ever played it before. Yeah, so I think it, I think because it's Xbox One S, uh, so Xbox it needs to be One a 1S, X to be able to run in 4K. So yeah, the S is is HDR compatible, and it can yeah. do HDR, but I don't know if red dead one specifically i, what I is, doubt do you know I what, doubt you know what hdr is something to do with how colors are represented i don't really know much about it i don't have anything <laughs> hdr compatible i appreciate that answer rather than like you half knowing and trying to explain it that would that was going to take me back to computable when it would be like <laughs> so a processor well you know about processor stuff i shouldn't i'm not going to sell you short brevin <laughs> i feel like i know kind of what computers do anyway it is obviously not running 4K, but it's more stunning than I've ever played it before. As soon as John got off the boat in Blackwater, I was all in again. I'd, I had forgotten a lot of details in the game, and it's been great. One that hit me again was the first encounter with the gang. Um, the Walton gang, to be exact. Also, from playing Red Dead 1 and 2 and going back to Red Dead 1, the map seems incredibly small, as I can navigate most of it off of memory now. This whole thing seems uh, confirms my love for John Marston as a character. <laughs> sorry jeremy if you listened this far i haven't been the kindest to john marston we'll we'll talk about it we'll talk about it maybe yeah. at the end of this episode i'll love john marston i'm i'm yeah, feeling uh, happen, but... <laughs> fickle today p.s if they make a third game the main character needs to be the gang member that was dead slash died in the snowy town of Coulter at the beginning of red dead 2 that way when he dies you can pick up our pick up playing arthur again completing the trilogy it can't be Dutch because after playing Red Dead 2, I hate his guts. <laughs> I would be so disappointed. I love that reasoning. Like, Rockstar, you can't make a game where you play you as Dutch play because as Jeremy hates his guts. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I I like the notion that we can pick up as the guy. I don't remember what his name is, but you, you were carrying a body with you, right? At mm. the beginning of the prologue of Red Dead 2. And once you, I think, settle down and get to the the house with where they start the fire inside the cabin, the old mining town, Coulter, actually, um, I think they say like, yeah, he's he's not going to make it, and it's presumed he's presumed to be dead. So we could, he's saying that we could play as him, and then after he dies, because you know that would work, I think, because we basically know nothing about him, right? I think he yeah, might be no, mentioned we, like we... three times total in Red Dead Two. Yeah, we basically know nothing. 
Um, then we could pick up playing as Arthur after that. But what that would be weird to me, though, and I think that would not fit the formula because there's, like, it's not like we've played as John during the events of Red Dead 1 at the end of Red Dead 2. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it's it's four years after. So to play as Arthur at the end of Red Dead 3, doing the same things that we did at the beginning of Red no, Dead 2. No, that's not going to work. I don't know that we would do that. Um, maybe we'd maybe they'll do something different and have us continue playing on as Leopold Strauss or something. <laughs> or yeah. or have us continue playing as Sadie. That would be interesting. Ooh. Although I guess in the beginning of Red Dead 2, she has a pretty boring life of like trying to maintain the camp. <sighs> anyway. Um, oh, so in a second email, Jeremy follows up. Thank you for that email, Jeremy. He gives us the definition of peasant remember last time we were struggling on whether or not they were landowners or not Mm -hmm. whether or not they were landowners so he says that this is the definition from google i checked and it's it's from oxford languages which is whatever google draws from when you just type in blah 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 definition um replace blah 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 with a word don't just type in blah 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 definition i don't know know what what that would come up with Um, so back to peasant, a poor farmer of low social status who owns or rents a small piece of land for cultivation, chiefly in historical use or with reference to subsistence farming in poorer countries. So I don't know what subsistence farming means. Maybe that just means literally farming for food. I think that's what that means. For like substance? Um, yes, but subsistence what does that word mean <laughs> jeremy in... you're gonna have to write in with another <laughs> definition for us <laughs> you know that's interesting i've only heard that word used one time and it's the like what i don't know what you call that the tagline for metal gear solid 2 subsistence Ooh. really yeah it is subsistence is the action or fact of maintaining or supporting oneself at a minimum level oh i nailed it basically with my inference pretty good so, yeah, just farming to survive. Um, my other theory was that it was going to be, like, farming to support, like, the government or something. But, no, that's not what it means. So, all that to say, peasant does not necessarily indicate whether or not you own or rent land. However, I think um, a common... Uh, I did some more research. A common, like, thing that peasants would do was go into, like, shared shared own, shared own land, like, sharecropping, I suppose. Um yeah, so peasants are just poor people, basically, and they also farm, and they're of, they're of low social status. So all the, all the best things that yeah. you can have going for your life. Um, yeah, so thank you for that, Jeremy. We uh, we made it in the end. We also got the definition of subsistence, which is very good. If you're ever wondering what that means, it means to maintain your current state. How are you doing, Brevin? How are we doing this in is, this, this podcast? This is a podcast about Red Dead. This is a podcast about Red Dead Redemption, and we're talking about <laughs> the definition of peasants and the word subsistence, and what it's like to own a movie theater chain in the middle of a pandemic. Um, yes, exactly. I'm going to take a drink of my water now, Brevin. All right, take take the biggest gulp you've taken in your entire life. <laughs> I'm sorry. I almost made him. Almost made me spit out my water. Yep. Because I, I wanted to start. I was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. But then I, re- I, I started to laugh thinking about, like, what that means for the podcast. that I'd have to pause for that long. <laughs> oh, so it wasn't me. It was more so, like, 
you you came up with the idea that made you laugh. I wasn't that funny, but you were like, oh, because I have to. I'm, I don't know. I'm just being stupid. <laughs> what is this? I think we need. I think we need to kill this podcast, Brevin. I gotta oh. be honest. It's not working out. No, I wrote all these notes. We gotta at least finish this episode. Okay. All right. Owen writes <laughs> okay. in. You asked about Justin Morgan had a horse. Remember this, Brevin? Oh yeah. I the think. movie, the Disney movie from the seventies, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yep. think. And he actually yes. watched it. He said, "I enjoyed it." Uh, but it's just a goofy family film that probably isn't worth your time. It's fun, but I can't in good conscience <laughs> recommend it to you. I love how he was like, I liked it, but it was just goofy and family <laughs> film. It's not worth your time. What a, I mean, what an honest and valuable uh, assessment that is, you know? I like that, yeah. It's not worth my time, so I'm not going to watch it now. I have, a, I have a very hard time, like, wholeheartedly recommending things to people. because Especially when it's, like, a movie or something where it's so dependent on tastes. Like, mm-hmm. there's only a few movies where I'd be like, yes, you should watch this. Every person that's listening right now. Um, what's that movie we watched that was made in South Korea? Parasite? Oh, Parasite. Yeah, that was a great movie. That was great. Everyone should watch that movie. That was excellent. Yeah. But something that, like, just I enjoyed. Like, I enjoy the I. I don't even want to. I don't even want to mention a movie that I enjoy that I'm afraid to recommend to people because I feel like in mentioning it, I am recommending it, and then I'll, th- I'll do it. I'll be that person. All right, let's let's hear it. District Nine. It's a great movie, but it's totally Ooh. like you have to be very much into wh- the way it's filmed and it's it's unique, and but it's a great movie. I've only seen it like I haven't seen it in years, but it's it's always one of the weird ones that I come to, and I'm like, this is a really cool movie, and there's not many movies like it. That's you familiar one. with it at all? That's a good example. I think I, I don't think I've sat through and watched the whole thing. I think I saw like bits and pieces when my older brother was watching it or something. Um, but it does seem cool. I wonder how good the CGI holds up nowadays. I watched like clips on YouTube, and you can definitely tell it's from two thousand nine. But <laughs> it's still, it's still good enough that it doesn't take away. Wait, we were watching Transformers One though, right? When did that come out? And that was that's immaculate. Transformers One. Well, Transformers. Oh, dude, I don't even want to talk about that. I when I saw Transformers One when I was like, I don't even know how old. I was young, and I genuinely thought they were Transformers. Like they made Transformers <laughs> for the movie, and they put them in the movie. Like I was convinced, and it, I still to this day it looks so good. It's it ridiculous. Looks so good. It looks it looks stupidly good. Like why did you take the time to do this? But of course, that's why just to blow people away, right? Man. So check out Transformers. Transformers one, one is worth it. Don't watch any of the other ones. But I love Shia LaBeouf. If I I do too. I really on, do like on an actor level, stepping away from movies, I think he's just like so interesting. I love his like you can do it green screen thing. Oh yep. my gosh, so funny. Oh my gosh. All right, enough Shia LaBeouf. Back to <laughs> Owen. He recommends he continues to recommend a movie on the UK that's featured on the UK Netflix, so maybe on our Netflix too. But he's well, he only has UK Netflix that he's looking at, called Hostiles, which is a western starring Christian Bale, um, and he says that Christian Bale sports a beautiful soup strainer. Brevin, what does that mean to you? So a soup strainer is something I would think of like you would get all of like. Like the solid bits, like say you put a bunch of bones inside of like a soup, and you're trying to strain it, and you get all the bones out, and you put it in like a bowl, and that's your soup. So wouldn't that be a wouldn't that be a broth strainer though? Because unless the holes were big enough to let like carrots and stuff through, but not bones, like you would just get the broth out. There Listen are some soups what, that are just broth, like tomato. What soup. is the difference between soup and broth? Like, the broth is just what's left over after you eat, like, the soup. Oh, man. I mean, it depends on what the soup is. If you're defining a soup as a chicken noodle soup, right, 
the broth is not a chicken noodle soup. The broth is part of the chicken noodle soup. But if you're defining the soup as tomato soup, you could you could filter out bits of tomato and then have the broth left over and still call that tomato soup because the tomato is essential to the fact that it's a tomato soup and it, it is retained in the broth. However, the chicken and the noodles are not retained in the broth. They are simply floating in it. So I'm never going to look at soup the same way. Don't. Don't. <laughs> don't look at it. Just... So, uh, all of that to say, of course, a soup strainer isn't a real, like, household object, because why would you ever want to do that, right? Why would you want to strain uh, you don't, soup? You don't think I make soup? You, With okay. bones and stuff? You, and I strain my bones out of my soup? So, that, oh, oh, mm, for heaven, so, there's, there's <laughs> noodle strainers, right, where you make, you boil noodles and then you strain the hot water out, yeah, so that you can have the like, noodles Yeah, it's like, that's basically over. like a soup strainer, it's just like you're boiling, you're bo- you're making like a water soup, you know, with noodles. You're trying to make the you're trying to make noodle noodle broth. Uh, okay, so I googled it because I needed to know what this was, and of course and we are so we are both so stupid, Brevin. A soup strainer is like a common term for a mustache that is like long and covers your mouth such that it looks like if you try to eat soup with said mustache, it would strain the soup. How am I dumb for not knowing that? I think it's... Uh, you're, I, I'm going to say you're not dumb. I thought that okay. I was dumb for not knowing it because I had to Google it and Dom apparent... Not Dom, I'm sorry. Owen apparently knows what it is. Um, but I, it's pretty common to call a mustache a soup strainer, particularly a no. Western mustache. It's you're not, you're it's disagreeing. Not it's not common. It's not common. I've never looked at someone's mustache. <laughs> yeah, just because I haven't done it before, it means it's not common. Yeah, you are the authority on common. I am, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Brevin. So, check out... So we, Okay, we have another movie to add to our Western movies list. Brevin, I still think we should do a Western movies podcast where we just watch Western movies. I'm done. Um, Soup Strainer. We could call the podcast Soup Strainer? Soup Strainer. <laughs> now that's an idea. I'm sure that would be great for SEO. Yeah. Um, he says... Oh, he says that, that a Soup Strainer is also his favorite look for his Arthur uh so just just a single mustache which i think is a rare take on arthur normally people will go for a goatee or a full beard i wish you hadn't told me that it was a mustache and you could have just said it's his favorite look for arthur i've been like wow arthur's a cook that's really cool (laughs) i pictured like wearing a colander on your head like a (laughs) conspiracy theorist arthur (sighs) all right so he continues to say another excellent movie recommendation he says the plot is not the greatest but the performances are worth seeing and the discussions remind him of red dead so owen i mean you gotta start writing movie reviews these are very level and valuable reviews of movies he's not sponsoring them fully and saying this is an amazing movie you should watch it he's like you know what plot isn't the greatest but it's worth it if you look for the performances so i appreciate that what a great measured way to live your life thank you owen um will, will, will we ever watch that movie brevin i hope so but you know we have like so many so many movies to watch my yeah, gosh there's too many out there dom writes in thank you so much owen as always dom writes in in response to your discussion regarding last week's email brevin the two of you going off the rails is probably my favorite part of the podcast yes i initially tuned in to hear you guys talk about red dead but hearing you guys go off topic makes the content very interesting in my opinion well, you got some interesting content today, I was Dom. Say, yeah, there's you, some weird stuff going on. There. This is this is like not even. I mean, we are so far off the rails. The rails are redefined, Brevin. The rails are no longer Red Dead. It is not talking about Red Dead. That is the rails. 
Wow, you went straight into like preacher mode in there. You were like moving the head and everything. The, the rails are not defined. I'm sweating my hands in the air. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, he also wonders <laughs> if we would consider doing a Mafia 2, well, a Mafia podcast, but specifically Mafia 2 is what he's yes. played. That's the only one that I've heard, you know, that's the big one. So I recently watched like some quick gameplay videos of it after the um, remake came out. And I watched some like some missions. <sighs> I, I, I've never played through all of Mafia 2. I think I might have played a little bit of it, like maybe the demo when I was on Xbox 360 or something stupid like that. Um, it, so maybe it is a really good, interesting game, but it strikes me as like a very straightforward narrative where there's not a lot of thinking to do about the characters and it's more like this is just like trying to portray a time and you're not <sighs> meant to ponder about the motivations of every character like we do with Red Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that respect, maybe it wouldn't be as great of a focus for a podcast. Then again, maybe... <laughs> it could be a good uh, episode for... What's it called? What's ah, our, NPC. That's NPC. right. What's our show that I care so much about that I forgot the name of? We're looking forward to going back to that too. I Man, Brevin, we have too many things. Yeah, we need to live intentionally do. and decide what we're going to do. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Dom. We will consider... So I, I actually beat Mafia 3, so maybe I will challenge you to play Mafia 3, Brevin. Who knows? That's but I think particularly... One, it? eh, it's fine. Particularly with um, the remasters or whatever their crazy PR stunt is with like different version things for each game. Uh, there's more of a chance we'll take a look at those games, I think. Uh, taking a break, taking a stretch. Oh, yeah, I just took a big yawn. We got one more, one final writer with, I think, three emails total. Fantastic. This is Chris, who writes in, first-time writer, and he, th- this is a clear example of someone listening through the podcast and then writing in as he goes, as he listens, yep. but, like, to us now, it's, like, from, you know, months, months ago. ago. Is yeah. that, isn't that crazy that we've been doing this for months? Literally months. Like six, you think it could be from be six months ago. So much better at this point, but no, here we are. <laughs> no, it's still bumbling <laughs> along. Um, so, what I did, Chris, if you're listening to this, which actually in hindsight, maybe you won't listen to this for a long time because you're far behind, but once you do listen to this, I, I cut up a lot of your emails and I selected like specific segments or just topics to talk about, so I ended up skipping quite a bit. Um, I definitely read all of your emails, but if you hear this and you're like, why didn't you talk about X or whatever, just write in again and bring bring us back to that point and we can revisit it. Um, for now, we're going to, I mean, I still have a lot of your emails to read anyway, so I'm, I'm hoping you'll be happy with that, but we're not going to touch on every single thing. <sighs> all right. With that being said, I'm ready. I am Chris from Germany, doing my first playthrough of Red Dead 2 and listening along to your, and then he says, old episodes while I'm catching up. Are they old? Are they old so soon, Brevin? Nah, they're still new. They're still new? Still brand new. We're Hot off the presses. Our, our old season? Yeah, no, I guess it's technically old. It is our old season. It's still it's still from this year, except for the very first episode. I don't know. I mean, I mean isn't everything that's like pre-COVID old now? <laughs> Is that the new date? Yeah. I mean, PC. if we were the classic, um, like, like what, uh, you know, emperor, like, uh, Chinese emperors would do where they, every empire would be a new calendar. Like this mm-hmm. would be the start of a new Amer not, not American. That's very, <sighs> like, uh, a new calendar system. This would, would be, be the like start of a new America. Post COVID. Yeah. Post COVID America. 
Uh, although we're obviously still living in it, so. I know we keep it's saying post COVID, and it's like getting worse in a lot of places. We are we are in a very fortunate place where it's not getting worse, so I think it, we're sort of detached from it a little bit. But man, like Latin America, for example, is really bad right now. So Dude, our hearts like go out to everyone. United States is like awful right now. I know, I know. My gosh. What anyway, Chris writes <laughs> in. Uh, basically, he says, thank you for doing the podcast. He's grateful to have the podcast to keep him on track while playing the game. Um, I I like that concept of using our podcast as like something to keep you playing, because I do think when the game when the game is so massive at this point, it's hard to stay focused. So that's cool to have to have to use the podcast as a sort of a tool to like uh, give yourself a cadence for playing. Well, we did like 18, 19 episodes of last season, so that's roughly like 18 weeks to play the game. Yeah, which is a fair amount of time. I mean, I don't know. It's still very massive, that game, but I guess guess we did it, right? Yeah. You specifically. So, (laughs) one thing that he brings up, which is so funny, I I love when people mention like things that we said early on in the podcast, because... I'll read the email and I'll be like, I don't remember saying this at all. But um, he's basically saying, I was so surprised that you held Dutch in such high regard at the beginning of the podcast. I immediately had a bad feeling about him. Do you remember this, Brevin? In the beginning you know, of the no, podcast? No, I, I do remember. I know what he's talking about. Because I was always like, you know, Dutch is so, like, you know, contained. He's, like, able to, you know, think on his toes quickly, you know, de-escalate a situation. And that is what Dutch is in Chapter 2. So, actually, um, Chris disagrees. He's basically saying, like, from the beginning, he's a bad influence on Arthur, and, um, like, there's not there's no redeeming qualities of Dutch, even that early on. Which, if you think about it, it's sort of true. I mean, even back then, he's still saying that they're staying there for, like, they should they should be moving all the time, right? But he they're still staying there because of Dutch. I remember, um, I remember being, like excited about the character of dutch because of his arc and i still love dutch as a character just like conceptually obviously he's not a great person in the game Mm -hmm. fictional person um but i do think i was sort of playing up how much i i liked dutch because i knew that you didn't know how he ended up so i was sort of like isn't dutch such a great leader bremen isn't he so cool um so yeah, that is funny just to revisit that, and I I think you and I should do an exercise where we like listen back to some of our earlier episodes. And I think it'd be really funny, especially now because I'd be like, wow, I didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, just like some of the predictions that you would have about like what would happen. That would be interesting. All right, so uh, we so one thing that we talked about, Brevin, was how John's look at the beginning of the epilogue was unfitting and strange. We were like sort yes. of shocked I by do remember it, that. but. Chris makes the salient point that he actually sort of resembles Arthur and he thinks that this is an homage to him and meant to show how great of an impact Arthur had on his life. Uh, See, I already have one issue with that, is that it, it resembles Arthur if you make Arthur look like that, but I didn't make Arthur look like that, so it didn't resemble So that's actually interesting because that's one of the things that Chris says is he's like, my Arthur looked pretty much just like how John ended up looking at the end of the epilogue um, and he thought that it was customized to look like his arthur like mm-hmm. like the game was smart enough to notice that sort of like how that would be really cool in gta online like you have parents that you pick or whatever um mm-hmm. so, yeah so <laughs> i don't know i mean i guess 
I guess that's true. Like you can't you can't say that epilogue John looks like Arthur unless your Arthur looked like that, right? Yeah. Because my Arthur was really clean cut, goatee and relatively nice hair. I had John always had the long hair. Arthur had shorter hair. <sighs> That's interesting. So is there a canon look for Arthur? I believe there is. And I think it's longer hair, but not super long, not like John's length. And it's more of a more of a beard. Not full, super long, but full, like a little bit. Full beard, but not like a long beard. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, where do we see that? Probably after he gets kidnapped by um, the enemy gang, Cuomo Driscoll. I look at it as canon. Arthur is like the one you one you see in like trailers and stuff. Oh, that's a good that's a good indicator of it. I never thought of that. Interesting. I wonder if they change up his look and probably not because that'd probably be confusing for the viewer if like in one scene he had a mustache and the next scene he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's that. That does bring up an interesting question. I I like this concept, Chris, of John, you know, looking like how looking like Arthur because he, he's so impacted by him. But I guess it doesn't it doesn't really hold up if your Arthur doesn't look like that. Hmm. Yeah, as soon as I could, I made John look like he did in Red Dead One, like pretty clean cut. Yeah, so long hair. Chris says that he basically like slowly transitioned over to what the red dead one john look is and it would just like slowly shave his beard back which is a nice i'm glad that you were able to have that art chris and i think my arthur would probably be more in line with how john looks than brevin's i don't know i prefer to have the the clean look you know something about it i even had like a straight edge hat you know it wasn't like the broken one that arthur normally wears you know what i'm trying to say like where it's yeah. got like, the pieces of a missing more off. of a slick look definitive yeah i appreciate that so back back to abigail's nagging <laughs> chris says to me abigail is constant nagging about uh john using his skills period was heartbreaking because she she should have seen the difference he didn't start planning to rob a bank or some such he was hesitant using his skills for defense and to protect his family. This is a stark contrast to what he did under Dutch's control. He had grown to the point where he was reluctant but honest in starting over and leaving a life of crime behind. But leaving crime behind doesn't necessarily mean leaving violence behind, especially during these times. Abigail should be well aware how dangerous it can still be, and having a husband that opposes violence but is capable of defending her and, and their family. I thought this would be preferable to her than having one who will let his family be killed instead of raising his fist or gun. What are your thoughts there, Brevin? A little criticism of Abigail and her nagging. I don't know. It's it's tough because like I, I see where Abigail is coming from, obviously, in the sense that she wants a normal life for her son. I think that's more even what it is. It's not, it's not about what Abigail wants. It's about having a life or ha- ha- letting Jack have a life that is, you know, normal, I guess what you could call it. Like the average life, not one where you're constantly on the run. You know, normal kid's life where you make friends and <clears throat> you are not constantly getting shot at. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But like moment to moment examples of John being violent or whatever, like saving saving the carriage from the enemy uh, ranch, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like that's not that's not John falling back into his tendencies that's john helping out in a way that his skills are valuable and is also just so i wonder if abigail gets like 
I don't know, PTSD, that's not the right thing I want to use, but, like, PTSD from, like, seeing, you know, John do things that remind her of, you know, the way life used to be if she just gets really uncomfortable. It's probably, it's probably immensely stressful for her, right, to see John under any sense of danger just because it, it, it is risking him and she cares greatly for John, as we all know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Team Abigail. <laughs> Team Abigail. Chris, I, I do see what you're saying in that, like, you're looking at it with a more practical lens, and I appreciate that. Maybe Abigail would undergo less stress in general if she was a little bit more forgiving. Like, hey, like, I trust that you'll be safe in doing these things because you are so skilled and, you know, this is necessary for our survival. But I don't know. I, I, I also wonder if that's too much for her to, to ask of her, you know. <sighs> it's tricky. It is tricky. It is. All right, Brevin. Let's talk about money. Money. I have a guy who has about half a million dollars in um, horse snacks. Ooh, we can... sweet. We're going back to this? <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, all right, Chris. <laughs> back to Chris's email. I wanted to share my thoughts about the distribution of wealth in Red Dead 2 because I think you get a little too much in either role. As Arthur, after finding the two treasures... I had, like, two treasures early on in the beginning. Yep. Poisonous Trail and Jack Hall gang treasures, he says. I had over $3,000 and upgraded everything. I didn't have to pay for any horses because I got the White Arabian early on. Um, he, he, like, found him in the wild and broke him. Yep. So after upgrading everything and buying usually more than one color option of all clothes, I was con- and continuing the missions where you get your take, I never dropped below two thousand dollars and i kept thinking to myself that we should have enough money to start a new life if dutch really meant it at that point i did not know i did not know if you could influence the ending if you earn enough money but no matter how much i or we had in the camp money uh like the camp what is that called stash i guess yeah yeah um he always wanted more i understand from a criminal's perspective he wants enough money to not just start a new life but also to not worry about money ever again so i kind of do understand that he wanted more but it still nagged at me. Not enough to not enjoy the story, but enough to be present. <clears throat> what are your thoughts there? You look like you're thinking, Brevin. Yeah, it, that's like one of those video game things where, like, that's if you if you give the option of winning the game, winning the game, beating the game in a way that like <laughs> you just like get so much money that don't need to do anything anymore. Like you're just kind of erasing all the hard work that you did for the people who like don't play that way. You know what I mean? Like, you're erasing all the developers' hard work for writing an actual story just because they gave you a second ending where it's like, oh, we got the money, let's go to Tahiti, game over. Oh, so, okay, so you're talking about, like, writing in a plot point where, like, if you meet certain criteria, something else happens. Yeah, which I think that's too much to ask for. It's, like, it's not really realistic. And it would take away from, like, the the crafted narrative, um... So then it's one so, of those things you have to turn a blind eye to. That's really what it is. It's like it's a video game. Like obviously I could probably make enough money. I could cheat in enough money to to be able to retire to uh, Tahiti, but you know, it's a video game. You can't expect them to come up with all of the uh all of the endings or yeah, all of the possible outcomes. I'd say that they do a good job of keeping you spending money so that you don't like, you know, Chris, from your perspective, you never went under $2,000, but you probably stayed around there, right? Which is, it's its its own thing to say, like the fact that you actually didn't just continue accruing money until you had $20,000 by the end of playing as Arthur, because mm-hmm. um, you spent money on guns and stuff. But 
and camp upgrades. I do think there's there's lot not as much as you can like camp upgrades don't really matter in a meaningful way, uh, which is disappointing. So it's too bad you couldn't spend money some other way. I don't know what that would be, but um, I would actually go the other way and ratchet up the cost of everything or decrease the amount of money you make just to like to, to give the character more opportunities to make money lessens the narrative right so logically to decrease the amount of money the player makes and make the economy actually really tough would have made the narrative more impactful in my opinion with mm-hmm. dutch saying like we just need to make some more money we just need to make some more money that rings more true if you're walking around as arthur and you have ten dollars in your pocket and you're like like if i rob this person i might get 25 cents but the next gun that i want to buy is 400 dollars, right because mm-hmm. i think yeah like I, I i understand that they probably wanted to do like a like a kinder economy for the sake of appeasing players who might lose interest if they had to like save up so long for something but yeah i actually wonder if that would be a more interesting game if you actually had to make real choices with money you ever played games like that where i only think of one off the top of my head where like the economy is really tough right at the beginning and it gets easier as you go on you played a game like that you can think of i mean well uh, this isn't a different game but red dead online at least when it started was like that for me Mm -hmm. um but that's different because it's online. I can't think of... Not really. I mean... First thing that comes to my mind is old Gran Turismo games are oh. very much like that. Where, like, your first few races, you're starting off... You come in first place in, a, like, a 10-minute a race or, like, a 10-minute series, you get, like, $600. Like, that's, that's all you get. That's not a lot of money in And that. that's nothing. Like, think about how much a car would cost. Like, your first car oh, you're going to okay. buy after your starter car is a used, like who knows like mazda rx7 that's like nine grand and you've got to save up quite a bit you've got to play for like an hour and a half to be able to get nine grand to save up for your first used car so that's tough because that's not a lot of gameplay variety in between that first car and the nine grand car right you're doing races over and over again but if you were hunting and fishing and you know robbing stagecoaches and stuff i think it would be more interesting yeah, you know, I I want to say one thing. I think Red Dead did a great job in the sense that you really only get money in how many missions? Like 10? But you just get a lot at once because it's all like big robberies usually. So like you walk away with like $500 from this one. Like I don't think you get much money from main story missions. No, you might get like $40 here and there. Um but yeah, it's really not that much except for except for those bigger missions. Which I like because it, it brings more attention to that. So, like, right after I do one of those really big missions, I'm like, oh, crap, you know, I got two grand right now. I can go spend. Let me go, you know, upgrade all my guns. Let me go splurge because, you know, I created a, a committed a great robbery. Ooh, I think yeah. that's a cool. Yeah, I thing. like that. I like that. I don't know. I, I think I would I would be more on the aggressive side with an economy if I was designing one. Um, As in, like, make it difficult? Yeah, because I think that makes everything more rewarding. Well, you know how I like how I like the you know first twelve hours of Skyrim or whatever, where you're just becoming more powerful slowly. Like yep, yep. if I could just stretch that out, I would be totally all for it. Anyway, uh, he continues to say this got confounded when I started playing as John in the epilogue. After chapter two, I never worried about money anymore, and after Guarma, you weren't able to put anything into your camp box anymore. So Arthur still had a lot of valuables in his satchel. When I started playing as John and went through the satchel, I found, um, and then he says, some wa- a watch that you steal in St. Denis. 
the brooch you get from Penelope, and a lot of other looted stuff, which brought him up to over $800 before I even got to the point to get a loan from the bank. Isn't that funny? That is funny. So he had he had eight hundred dollars as John just because of like the valuables in in the satchel that he didn't sell that Arthur had. That's almost mm-hmm. like a little like a hack, <laughs> like that's a little cheat, a little cheat to to give uh, John an inheritance. So then, with all the money in your in the pocket, you continue to do missions to repay the debt. And I thought, John, you moron, you have more than enough money for all that you want already. <laughs> so that really takes the wind out of like the missions that John plays in the epilogue. Man, yeah, it's hard. It's I, just tough when you when you when you create a storyline based around money, but also give the player so much free, like free control over money. At the same time, it's tough. You gotta like you gotta throw a blind eye to it. Yeah, so he he basically goes on to say that like they shouldn't have let you take the satchel items with you. Uh, to be fair, Rockstar probably didn't think that you would have eight hundred dollars. Yeah, it's probably an things. oversight. Um, but yeah, I, I think he he continues to make the argument that you know if if you saw Dutch saying we need, we just need one more job, it would feel more impactful if you didn't have a lot of money at that time. Which yeah, I agree with that, but it's again tough. Yes, um, he goes on to say he. He does like the idea of playing as Dutch. Um, and then he actually also makes the point that we could, you could have a sequel where you play as the guy who dies at the beginning of Red Dead 2. So there you go. Another, another point there. Mm-hmm. And finally, thank you for being an address to send these. Oh, I just spilled my water. Oh, I'm a mess. Oh, man. Oh, no. It's not. I mean, it's Wasn't water. Like empty? On, it is basically empty, but like I'm sad now because I don't have as much water to drink. Oh, well, you can just lick it off the mm, off the ground. Right? That's what I'll do. That's the logical conclusion to draw there. Thank you, Brevin. <laughs> <sighs> what an episode this is today. We are just in our prime. This is great. Yeah, this is this is something. Right into Red Dead Cast right now uh, at gmail.com. Right now. Right now. Really, I'm imploring you. I what is he? Eyes implore. Use implore, implore me. me. Yeah. <laughs> he insists. I insist that you write in if you're enjoying this. Just say, Tyler, I'm enjoying this. And if not, we'll know. You if know? we don't get any, then obviously no one enjoyed it. Yeah, and then we'll stop. We'll close our doors. So <laughs> we're basically just like begging for likes on Facebook. Like, yeah, oh my, OMG, I'm so ugly in this picture. Um, <laughs> Chris closes with, thanks for being an address to send these thoughts to, as I don't have anyone else at the moment who would go that in depth with me on the game. Keep up your reflections and do at least, and please do at least one episode where you ruminate about the shared or separate online experiences and your thoughts on it and the differences to story mode. Brevin. Still haven't even played online. <laughs> Another thing we got to do. That's a, that's an excellent reminder because we really should do online at we some point. We should devote an episode to online. <sighs> yes, we should. We should. That'd be um, fun. Maybe after this. So we were actually looking... We didn't even say, okay, Chris, thank you so much for your emails. That's, that's all I'll leave off with today. Like I said, if you want me to read, touch on any points that I missed, write in again, and I'll be sure to do that. Um, so when we were picking the mission for playing up to it next week, Brevin, we realized we only have like, what, ni- 19 missions left? Something like that, yeah. So there's probably only going to be about four episodes left of this season. So maybe after that, um, we could take a break for sure, but... After that, we might um, play some online or something. I don't know. I don't know, Brevin. We also have Undead Nightmare to think about. Maybe we'll do we that. Do Undead Nightmare. Oof. Undead Nightmare could be like a two-episode thing. Yes. Pretty short. 
Oh, it's so good, though. Ah, Brevin, with that, no more emails. Wow. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Looking at the time, I was long. That was, fun. that was. What's up with your energy, Brevin? We need to be excited. We're, we're I, think, st- I think working out yesterday really killed me. I think, like, I'm still recovering. See, now we know. Don't work out before you record don't, a podcast. Just don't work out. Just leave it at that. I, w- I am still, yeah, I'm still a little messed up from that, too, to be honest. So, But you know what? It was fun. So, not, not in the moment it was fun. Everything after has been horrible. Like, I always say in the moment it was not fun. I don't know if you were doing the same thing as me, but my gosh. <laughs> Brevin, know, man. this is it. This is the podcast that you and I do every week. So, let's yep. start acting like it right <laughs> last time dumb? we <laughs> you gotta start pulling your weight around here brother take the trash out my gosh um last time we played up to the great mexican train robbery um yes. and next week if you want to continue playing along with us please play up to brevin will you do the honors why why do i have to oh you don't know on? what it is i thought you had it uh, ready. no i didn't have it ready hold on i can find out really quickly it's <laughs> It's um for purely scientific reasons. Play up to for purely scientific reasons. Then we we will discuss up to that mission next time. Um, yeah. So basically, what what we're what we're charting out here is we're gonna do a mission for six uh, an episode of this season for six missions, um, and then two more for six missions each, and then finally we're gonna do mission fifty eight. In, the last mission remember my family and that will be our final episode so that yes. that gives us four more episodes i know i know i'm sorry i'm sorry i mean all this content what are you what are you gonna do once we're not ah brevin we we need an attitude change That's all right what we need tyler the revolution is happening the revolution is happening so we're talking about louisa's first mission right yeah where we've met louisa right at some point, we saved her. Yeah. That's right. We saved her from the mine. Line and Rick is she helped us save her. Is that the same person? Oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe actually. I don't. I don't know. She never talks about teaching again. But I feel like I didn't know enough about. The, maybe that teaching person was like her sister. No, because because Landon says this is a like a normal good person. She's a teacher, and I think he says that on the way to saving Louisa from the mine. It definitely is her. So she was a teacher. She's very much not a teacher in these missions, though. She actually turns out to be, like, basically a, a revolutionary lieutenant, right? Yeah, pretty much. So why... Okay, so John goes to Louise's house in order to talk to her to get information about the revolution because he thinks that the revolutionaries might know where Escuela and Williamson are. Yeah. Um. Is that a good judgment i don't know but he's gonna go to this random it's a john judgment it's a john judgment a john judgment (laughs) that's gonna be our superlatives the john judgment of the week (laughs) so i have some interesting quotes from here basically her this is sort of sad right because she's at this house and her family is just falling apart right like they Mm -hmm. they're refugees essentially she needs to send her sister away to go down south and she needs to help her mom cross the border i think is what it was north and something else with her dad and basically john is like 
what does John even say? Do you do you remember? Like, what I don't did... remember. I don't even. I you know I have two notes for this mission. That's it. Oh my That's gosh. It. And the first one you already said the revolution is happening. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I didn't say that, did I? No, I said it. Oh, okay. That already went through one of my notes. Um. So yeah, I have a quote from her that says. I am living in history. I am not afraid to die, which I think is just so cool because this is basically this is basically the antithesis of John at this point, where she is actually someone who lives for her values and lives by them, and that is why she um, does what she does. That being said, she actually has a bit of a... Um, manipulation effect with reyes right where she's sort of mm-hmm. maybe too invested in him and trust over trusts him um which will well i we really don't know that at this point but we'll find out later um so i i actually like louisa like how do you feel about her as a character <clears throat> she's cool i don't know it's like it's hard to get attached to any of the characters in this game like i did to red dead 2 like i'm gonna say it like that it's like they're just so I don't want to say one dimensional, but they're like, they have like one thing going for them and that's it. I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess it's not one dimensional, but they are very much like, this is their arc. And then you're going to follow them through that. And then they're gone. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. So it's like really, it's like, I know Luis is not going to be there in like (laughs) six missions. So like, you're just like, all right, Luisa, what immediate, what do I need to do to get to Bill and Javier? Oh, man. So, in this case, you need to ride on a stagecoach carriage and um, escort her sister, her younger sister, who's supposed to be like 15 or something, Yep. to the docks um, over by Escalera. And then that's I'm glad where... you said docks. I wrote, I wrote rocks, and it must have been... The rock. <laughs> I was looking, I was like, what are the rocks? Like, it's a very, it's a very broad term. Take me to the rocks to get picked up by a boat. <laughs> Um, so here's what drives me crazy about this. And this is the, this is the note I wrote about this mission. So is he, is, is John helping this family because he wants nice things for them and because he cares about them or just because he thinks Louisa can get him to Reyes? This is what eats away at me at night, Brevin. I don't know. Cause there's, there's a few quotes later where John talks about, you know, I'm only doing this because, you know, I respect, you know, whoever passed away in your family. So now I'm helping you out. So, like, I don't know, it goes both ways, but I think a lot of it is still to, like, you know, save his family. Like, you gotta put yourself first, you know? Here's the thing, right? Like, I think I think situation or circumstance really paints a clear picture of what characters' motives actually are. Because mm-hmm. if you take John Marston and you put him maybe maybe he's on vacation in mexico like i i you need to to be a situation where his family is safe and removed from the from the immediate vicinity and if you say like you know john is just hanging out in mexico or maybe he, maybe he's visiting javier escuela who in reality is just like a nice guy who also you know settled down mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden louisa walks up and she's like Oh my God! Can you help me? I need to. I need to help my sister escape from Mexico or the tyrants, whatever Allende, who actually is pronounced Allende by 
Reyes, as we'll soon learn. So yes. it is it is Allende. Like if it's a double L, it should be the Y sound. Yeah. Um. Like John wouldn't care, and that is I firmly believe that he would just say, "No, I'm not going to do that." Like I don't want to help you. Which well, that, that makes the most sense because like he's got his family just sitting somewhere. He doesn't know where they are. So like. <sighs> But Brevin, here's my point. Like, it's more about your family. You cannot live your life just for your family. That is so reductive. And that, like, humanity and the... (laughs) All right, I'll listen to you. What do you got to say? Let's say some people take your fiancé. All right. All right, let's make it real. Let's, yeah, people take your fiancé and... (laughs) They give you a mission. They say, you're your fiance. Bad things are going to happen unless you go and do terrible things to Brevin. <laughs> but Wait, you don't you... know where I am. <laughs> okay, so you are Bill Williamson in this. Yes, in this I am analogy. Javier Escuela or Bill Williamson. I'm a good old friend you used to have. Disappeared a long time ago for no reason other than the fact that I just disappeared. And now your fiance has been taken and you've been... <laughs> Tasked with the mission to hunt me down. Uh, okay, all right. I love this thought exercise because it really does force you to, you know, I it, it forces you to hold the candle up to my argument and say, like, does it really hold up? So, all right. In this situation, first of all, how 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 immediate <laughs> of a threat, and how how well do I understand what danger my fiance is? You in? don't understand. That's that's how well it is. So it's scary. You just know she's been taken, and your task is to do this, and that's it. So, first of all, I would probably challenge the authority that is giving me these instructions and say, You like, would challenge them. What would you say to them when they have your fiancé held captive, and they could do, they could harm her any way they oh, want, and you're going to start Brevin, questioning you are, them? You're putting me in a hard spot here, man. <laughs> but you got to think about it that way. You can't be like, oh, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go after Brevin. Just give me back my fiancé. <laughs> So I would probably try to get help from the government, the okay. the authorities, and say like, listen. Although, so what the way to really set this up is the government needs to be the people who are holding my fiance, right? Because that's what's going on, yes. With John. Yes, we'll, we'll oh, say it's the no. government. Oh, okay. So then I probably have to go to like the ACLU or whatever, like some some third party organization that's about justice. Yep. But then to, to, to make the analogy go deeper, I would need to have a criminal past that I yes. haven't answered for so that I can't even go to society for help. And in that situation, I'd probably go after you, Brevin. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And you would do whatever you had to do to do it. See, okay. No. No. Okay, fine. I'll stop there. <laughs> so if I, if I start going after you and it's like I need to like, you know, talk to someone and be like, hey, have you seen Brevin around? They'd be like, oh, no, I don't know who that is. I'd, I'd keep doing that. And then if someone was like, oh, I've seen Brevin, but you need to kill 13 families who are trying to fight for their rights and, like, and survive as a nation, you know. Yep. Just, just now, like, let, let go, me, I'm going to just ruin you right, immediately right here. Now, what if you, you say, okay, no, I can't do that, so I'm going to walk away. And then two weeks later, you've got no leads, but that person's still like, hey, Tyler. Those 13 families are still alive and you could. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I need to time, understand. Time is running I out. I need to understand that my fiance is one person. And while she is important to me, you can't. Oh, man. <laughs> like you, you can't. 
you can't it, it's not equivalent right like you need to as a person understand the value of a life and it's not okay here's my argument and this is this Let is this is the it's gonna put your put you to rest brevin All this right. will knock you out i'm ready <laughs> if i go through with that and i commit whatever atrocities i mean mm-hmm. this is classic fiction and like breaking bad and everything where someone tries to quote unquote protect their family by doing all these terrible things in the end of that once you get out if you even do Mm -hmm. are you still yourself are and and is your family even what it was that you were trying to save i think in the pursuit of it in sacrificing your morals and making bad judgments and committing atrocities you lose that part of yourself that you were even trying to protect in the first place and therefore no brevin it is not worth it and i will not do anything except for maybe fight directly against the government that has my fiance captive or do you just become your darker self the okay, self that you always not <laughs> i'm just messing with you. no this is why i'm just messing i'm with saying you. maybe you know what that's that Maybe that's a good distinction. In reality, like I can't say what I would do in that situation. Maybe I yeah, would become that's... that darker self, and I would do I, that. I don't expect you to give me a real answer because but it's a I'm ridiculous saying situation. principally, you should not because yes, we live in a society, as George Costanza famously says, and we need to we need to be better. Yeah, can't be so selfish, right? You can't take out thirteen families to save one person. Yes, exactly, exactly um so wow this is a lot of applied ethics in this episode uh <laughs> this mission was fun you killed so many people you oh yeah it's just a carriage. murder spree on the way to these rocks this felt distinctly like a grand theft auto like san andreas mission where like you try to drive through town and there's like a bunch of enemy gang members on each corner and you're like mm-hmm. watch out cj take a right up here and then like you know you it's can't like every every saints row mission i feel like yeah exactly i feel like exactly. so many there's like there's a there's a jet flying through and you need to get out of its way i just you know saints row there's jets of course yeah it's just random jets um but i will say i had some fun with this mission i like it didn't it doesn't make any sense to me you know what it felt like? It felt like Red Faction. Have you ever played that? I haven't played it, but I've seen gameplay, so I know what it is. Where, like, all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to aid in a revolution, and... Oh, all be- of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, revolution, and um, you're, you need to do one mission, which is, like, get to some area on the other side of the map, and for whatever reason, the time that you're trying to do that, there's, like, a million checkpoints by the enemy people... When mm-hmm. they're not there any other time otherwise. Like, that that felt a little extreme to me where, like, what are these soldiers doing just sitting around? Are they really trying to go after this one 16-year-old who oh, yeah. is in a refu- uh, revolutionary's family? Like, what is the big deal there? They could have just shut down both roads, and then what would we do? We'd have to just stop. <laughs> That's true. Go to the other road, John, where there's Turn no around. one blocking it. <laughs> Take a ride at this bridge. Her, her directions were actually very helpful, I will say. Oh, yeah um yeah so you you get her to the boat and she said something that was that was actually she has a line of dialogue that was 
stood out to me as being realistic where she said, oh, they're still there. This is great. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess in in real life, like you'd be worried about that, about yeah. like maybe they would just dip if they're like, ah, there's like a ton of soldiers around. I'm just going to leave. I didn't even catch that. I'm glad you caught that. It's very nice. <laughs> very nice. Makes up for the whole ethical debacle. Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah. So that's all I have for that mission, Brevin. You want to keep moving on? Reyes has been captured. Uh, this is, I think, must a savior something. I don't remember the exact name, but I my first note before we even got to this mission is that Louise's missions are so inconveniently placed. Um, what do you mean? They're like they're they're just far away enough from a town that. Oh, you okay? I see what you mean. I okay. Location wise, to, yeah, you need to like go to Chuparosa and then ride your horse for a long time. I mean, you know, the map really isn't that big, so I'm just like complaining to complain at this point, but. Compared to all the other missions, it struck me as, like, being remote. Uh, which I guess makes sense if she's a revolutionary, but yeah, I don't really hide. care. I mean, Landon Ricketts is hanging out in the middle of Trooperos, and he's killed, like, a thousand Mexican soldiers at this point. Wow, no one cares. No one cares about Landon Ricketts. I miss him. I miss <laughs> Landon Ricketts, because I think Landon Ricketts has grounded. the moral conviction that I'm missing in John. Yeah. And he feels grounded. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so... <laughs> Uh, one thing that Louisa says in this mission is it just kills me. Mr. Marston, you are you are truly a friend of this land. Yes, he is. He killed no, a bunch of no, killed a bunch of people. Nope. Literally truly... worse than an acquaintance of this land. He is an enemy of this land. Like an enemy. Yes. All all he's doing is sowing chaos for his own personal benefit. It's almost worse that he is helping both sides than helping one side because if he was helping one side, at least there's order at the end of, you know, one of these fronts. But he's just decimating he's just both sides. He's just destroying both sides, yeah. It's just, everyone's going to be gone by the end of it. I actually, one of my Skyrim playthroughs that I remember fondly, I, I probably have, like, a mil- like hundreds of Skyrim playthroughs at this point. But one of them <laughs> that I liked was I played as a, um, as a high elf who was supposed to, my, my intention was to be, like, a Thalmor spy. And if you don't know anything about Skyrim, you don't know what I'm talking about, but that's fine. Um, I played as a Stormcloak because my intention was to support the Rebellion to weaken both the Empire and the Stormcloaks at the same time. So I would play Mm -hmm. through these Stormcloak missions, but at every Stormcloak mission, I would just assassinate like tons of Stormcloaks myself. And the intention was just to like gut both of the forces so that they were weaker for the Aldmeri Dominion to invade. And that was the fiction that I invented in my head um because i'm insane so i think that this is what john is doing in mexico he's basically like how can i weaken mexico to a point where they can be dominated by a foreign power i I really like (laughs) i really like how you came up with this whole like in-game lore thing for your skyrim playthrough and like yeah every single time i'm a stealth archer so (laughs) i i'm next level man well you know what it is is i'm so I'm so thoroughly disappointed by the actual story of Skyrim. <laughs> you have to create. You have to I do need the work to, yourself. I mean, every time I play that, it's basically like back to when I was playing with Legos in middle school or whatever. Like, you got to make your own narrative, man. Make your own fun. That's true. Anyway, back to what you're saying. Sorry, I do get them. Uh, I was just saying that, like, if if John's goal was to cripple the powers that be in Mexico as thoroughly as possible, he would do exactly what he's doing. Yeah. He doesn't not want he he wants Mexico to no longer exist. Yeah, I mean, 
if he can, if, if literally, if someone was like, press this button to nuke Mexico and I'll tell you maybe where Javier Escuela is. He would do it. He would do it. Yeah. Oh, Isn't that, oh my God, that makes me who mad, Brandon. That makes me mad because Tyler, it's not they, even. They have your fiance and they give you a nuke button. <laughs> Oh, John, what are you doing? Ugh, I really hope to see character growth. Maybe maybe this is what I'm forgetting. Maybe I'm forgetting that there was some, like, change in his character after Mexico. But You know, we've said that for, like, three episodes, I feel like, now. Yeah, and I think so. I think are. so. Well, okay, so here's the thing, right? Maybe what they're trying to say is now he's helping the revolution, so he, like, saw the light and is now helping the actual people of Mexico and his understanding and more compassionate. But there's nothing, there's no revelation. There's no point where John says, Oh, what I was doing was wrong before by assisting the dictatorship. And now I should switch sides. He's yeah, just, no, the only revelation is that like, well, I mean, spoilers for what's coming ahead, but like he gets betrayed, obviously. Yeah. Like, that's the revelation, but he could, it could just as well have been the other way or he just, Ended up helping, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to keep talking about it. we got to get through All this, right. Brevin. We do. So Reyes has been captured, and now we're going to go rescue him inside a fort. Yes. So um, this is funny because you sneak in, and it's like, it's like there, there's a, uh, like a hole in the wall or something. Like the wall has collapsed a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there's like one like, tiny piece you can it's, it's so distinct, and like, jump through this wall, please, is what it's yelling at you. Um, and you jump in and it's very conveniently unguarded and you get to this cool, like crow's nest. Is that what they call it? Crow's yeah, nest. Crow's nest. That'd be, it's a good way to describe it. Where you can snipe people, um, which is very cool. And I was actually really excited to use my sniper rifle, but of course, cause I'm playing on hardcore. Remember as soon as I like poke my head out dead in like two seconds, like not even dude, I could not have fun doing that. I really could not. Well, I mean, I will say it makes it makes me think more creatively. Like I ended up throwing Molotovs at people and then I actually had to use my repeater to clear some people out before I could use the sniper rifle. I don't um, even think I used the sniper on this mission. Might have only oh, stuck really? to the repeater. Yeah, I think I only stuck to the repeater. Oh, maybe I didn't either. Well, you do use it at the beginning to stop the execution. Yeah, right? yeah, that and then I, yeah, exactly. You do. And of course, you know, classic video game situation or I guess, you know, movies or books I as well we're like the this is like skyrim when they're about to be head ulfric stormcloak i don't know why why am i talking about skyrim so much maybe i should just play like skyrim yeah, what if we fair. can we just next episode just play skyrim and talk about skyrim is that let's do it is that too much of a departure oh of course not it's a video game it's close enough right it's like the same thing um <laughs> honestly like i do want to do something where we we prank our uh, reflectors and we just play red dead revolver and don't tell anyone <laughs> today we're going to talk about red <laughs> um yeah so you you save abraham reyes from being executed and um of course they they give like the the evil speech before they execute him which is convenient so that you have time to line up your shot um and then you end up fighting everyone and reyes is like oh you, you know maybe he he might no he's not the one that says you're a friend of the people maybe he is i don't know i think it's louisa though who's trying I think to convince both of them him. might honestly say it yeah i mean they might as well so um you save reyes and you help him escape and that's about it right what do you feel about reyes at this point at this point reyes is like whatever but i started to like him a little bit more 
Like, for he's... I'm comparing him to, like, the throwaway characters of, like... Not throwaway, I don't want to say that. That's being too mean. But, like, to the characters I care less about, like, um, Seth and... Um, what's his name? Irish. Like, he's he's a little bit higher than them. Because ah. I like how he's fighting for something. He's, like, fighting for the greater good. But he's also a little... He's a little strange, too, at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I have thoughts on... on... Reyes, he, in some ways, he's actually worse than um, Allende because at least Allende is honest about how terrible of a person he is. Mm-hmm. Whereas Reyes, he is masquerading as a man of the people, but he very much wants to be in a dictator position. And you can tell by some of the things that he says where he's like, the people will love me and they all love yeah. me and they'll do so much for me after I come into power. Um, Does he say, like, power specifically? Because, like, if you leave out the power thing, he just kind of sounds like a hothead. Which, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm, I, I can't don't remember. Know. He, does he mention specifically wanting to be in power? Or more like, oh, the people will love me because, you know, everyone loves me. Because I'm so cool. Oh, so you're you're saying he's just, like, narcissistic and not necessarily power hungry? I think he is power hungry, though. Um, You know what? He's at least egocentric. And it's sort of like... He reminds me of like a like an alternative history George Washington figure. You know how George Washington was like a general who was good at battle and people generally liked him. So they were like, "Why don't you be in control?" Why at least that's country. Man, I don't know anything about history. Like if that could that's be totally wrong, but that's that, what I heard. I've heard that narrative before. Um, so he he strikes me as someone who's like trying to artificially create that scenario so that he can step in and be like. Ah, don't worry. I'll be here to lead the people. Um, I, you know, I'm humbled by the gesture, and I will do my best. And then, in reality, he ends up like hoarding money and making terrible decisions for the country. Mm-hmm. But remains to be seen. Um, he, you help him escape, and uh, you know, your actions will not be forgotten, compadre. I wrote down. Oh yeah, one thing too is Allende Cornell. Is it the same person? It's Coronel Allende, right? It's like his full name. That's yeah, the, but in, the full president. In the subtitles, I think it's Colonel, like C O L O N. But they know. say Coronel, I'm pretty sure. Yes, so I don't know what that's about. Maybe the word for Colonel in Spanish is Coronel. Um, but I wrote down at one point that he is not the president. I think we thought that he was the president. Oh, he's not? What is he, though? He distinctly is under the orders of the president, who gets mentioned later on. Um, let me see. But he is in a position of, like high power, right? Like he's, he's in a like position over of high a power, but he's but he still answers to someone. Like he's not in complete control. Uh, so yeah, I think he's a colonel. And I thought I wrote this. I thought I wrote this down, but I guess not. Um, yeah. So and, and then there's some some other person who's higher up, who's a president. Who I think John eventually says like I've heard of that guy. He's doing some good things for people down here. And then. Um, Reyes or whoever is like you don't know anything about what's going on you're just being fed um, oh okay yeah Allende isn't the president just a colonel beneath Sanchez so Sanchez is a president who um, oh I have heard that yes I've heard that name is really like I guess he's really the person that uh, Reyes and the revolution is fighting against anyway um, so we rescued Reyes and now our next mission is we're going to talk to De Santa, and De Santa says that Bill and Javier have been captured in Chuparosa. Actually, Coronel says that, or Allende, I'll call him now. Oh, yeah. So he basically says, like, ah, at long last, we have the people you're looking for. And 
I just love I mean, John's an idiot, dude. How did he not know this was not like a setup? This is so like abruptly out of nowhere. Uh, can I, I call him an idiot? I don't know. I don't even know if I can call him an idiot because like what like imagine if I was in the situation and like someone was like, We finally got him. Like, this is it. And like you got that little bit of doubt, like what if they actually have him? And he's also done all this work for them. And I think mm-hmm. John wants to believe in that contract and he has to try to believe in that contract because of the terrible things that he's done. Yeah. Because if he said, oh, I don't know if I can trust you guys, then it'd be like, what? So you you went and you know killed tons of Mexican revolutionaries just so that you could say that you don't trust these people? Like, why don't you? Yeah. yeah. You kind of have to. I might have I might have approached the situation differently. <laughs> It is so fun. Okay, okay. Like walking into Chuparosa and seeing all of the Mexican soldiers like run up and set themselves up in positions behind cover and things is like, what's going on here? Like, wouldn't wouldn't shouldn't John be suspicious at that point? Like, yeah. Why are they doing that for these people? But I don't know. I guess he's sort of just like, oh, I guess Bill and Javier are very dangerous. Um, so spoilers. It doesn't go as planned. But before oh, we get to yeah. that, I want to talk about something. All right. We got On the way there, Brevin, riding with DeSanta, did you skip? Yes. I almost always... Is there... And don't tell me there's actually, like, dialogue for that. There's definitely dialogue. And more the heck? shocking to me, there's a mini game where, <laughs> as you're riding, he says, All right, who's up for a little sport? Um... Everyone on, on the carriage gets five shots, and whoever kills the most animals in five shots gets $20. What the heck? Yeah. Really, this happens. And it happens like three times, too. All the way from Escalera to Chuparosa. So they put something in to entertain players as they rode along. Um, and I, I actually won like once or twice. And I, did, I was trying not to use up all my dead eye because I knew I would need it eventually. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Isn't isn't that weird? That's like the sort of thing that you would never know if you just skipped the, you know, traveling to all these. Do they usually have like useful dialogue or like intro? Is it not usually? I would say. I mean, I'd say that they do typically have dialogue. I had dialogue with um. I think I talked about it, like with with Nigel Dickens on the way to some missions, and then typically it'll get to a point where they'll be like, they'll say something like, "All right, we're not far now," and then they stop talking. And then you know that you can skip. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I ta- you talk to DeSanta, I'm pretty sure, like, the whole time. And he just talks about how... Yeah, okay. I th- okay, that's what happens. DeSanta says, your actions will not be forgotten, com- com- compadre. As in to say, like, you know, the double... Like, he's telling the truth. His actions yep. will not be forgotten. But John's thinking that DeSanta is saying this as helping out the army, but he's really saying it as betraying the army and helping out yep. Landon Ricketts and Louisa. Um, so I, I actually th- said that like, it feels very much like a far cry scene where you go into the church and then the guy knocks you unconscious. Right. Yep. Um, tell me what happens after that, Brevin. So you get knocked unconscious and then you wake up, you're surrounded by a bunch of people. And then one of the soldiers gets shot. I'm trying to remember by who, Oh, by Reyes. Reyes <gasps> saves you. Okay, continue. And <laughs> I think it's so funny. You get sh- you, you 
everyone like runs away because obviously they don't know where they're getting shot from and you just run with your hands behind your back to all the way to where reyes is until he frees you which is just really funny there's like a huge war going on basically like tons of people <laughs> so let me tell you what happened to me brevin i got knocked out in the church and then mm-hmm. um immediately like I, I there might have been a loading screen and then i'm standing up and i have my arms tied behind my back and i have different clothes on i have the basic john marston outfit when i had the assassin's outfit all the way up until this point mm-hmm. and i didn't have a cut scene and it just said like go to Allende to i mean reyes to go get to reyes hands like freed oh that's odd it was very confusing and i'm glad that you saw what actually happened because for, i don't i am i it must have bugged out by changing the yeah outfit, it definitely right? bugged out but I don't. I might, maybe I actually skipped the cutscene. But the fact that my outfit changed makes me think that it just like messed up somehow. What yeah, that's weird... all that happens. You're just yeah. there, and these like you know you didn't like DeSantis talking about you know we know you're you know you betrayed us. It's like typical, typical uh, video game. It even stuff. takes the Far Cry scene further. Then, oh yeah, you're wow. like surrounded. Everyone's laughing at you. Darn, I'm I'm sorry I missed that because then it was sort of like oh and now they're fighting and I have to go help Reyes and then that's now my that. hands are tied yeah now my hands are tied uh also very similar to the opening of Skyrim I just got to keep keep bringing that Whoa, up it's just not gonna stop yeah um yeah so <laughs> I something that bothers me about this sequence is it has you kill Captain Espinoza. Who was like my only friend? I love that guy. Yeah, it does. I almost forgot who it was until I like saw who it was. Like he's I saw, the, oh, it's the big guy. Yeah, he's the guy that you ride on the carriage with, and he's he's talking crap about Desanta the whole time, saying, "Oh, Desanta's just like a, you know, a toy for I ended up play with, or like his maid." Um, yeah. And it felt like it felt like you were a friend with Espinosa because you were both essentially being led on a trap that was set up by DeSanta and Allende. And now all of a sudden they're just like, oh no, Espinosa is a bad guy and you're going to kill him. I mean, he is though a bad guy. You can't just be like, well, we were friends, so I can't kill you. Like, you're I also, wanted like, him to, army. to switch sides and fight with yeah. me, Brevin. That's Why can't anyone be a friend in this game? Why is no. it so sad and depressing, Brevin? Because your wife's been taken and your kid's been taken. That's why it's sad and depressing. <laughs> I gotta get back to my family. <laughs> uh, so I, right. I begrudgingly killed Espinoza. It was actually really tough to get up there because I feel like walking up the stairs, not all of the people in that house showed up on the minimap. Did you notice that? Yeah, they show up like really late. So I would just get surprised and just like completely rolled over by these people. Um, and then you kill Espinoza and then that's it, right? Yep, that's it. So I do want to say um, Reyes he gives like a, a rallying speech at the end and he gives it in English. And this bothers me. I don't like that. Did he, he gave it in English? I feel like all the times he was shouting, he was talking in Spanish. So he says, I think he says like, Viva la Mexico and Viva la yeah. Revolucion. But he, when he was saying, I don't know what he was saying, but he was talking about like, you know, general things that you would say. And I think he was just talking in English the whole time. And I thought that was He's so trying bizarre. to rally John. That, that, like, if I was, like, the only English-speaking person, or, like, you know, native English speaker, and then someone was trying to just talk in English the whole time, I'd be like, this guy's manipulating me. But John (laughs) does not think that far ahead, does he? John got hyped, and he's now he's ready to go sit, you know, continue helping the rebels. 
So after all that, and this is exactly what I was worried about before when I was saying, you know, after John is committing all these atrocities, it better pay off. He better actually get some information or I'm going to be like, John, you're an idiot. And Mm -hmm. he's an idiot. He doesn't get anything. He doesn't get anything. In fact, he gets betrayed by the people he was helping. Yep. So, ah, Brevin. Good old John. Good old John. Good old boy John. Just doing what he can. manipulated. His, his wife and son who have been kidnapped, and he won't stop talking about it. You know, he's going to do whatever he has to, including being manipulated and be dumb. He's going to do anything he has to. I mean, doesn't that make you... Doesn't that make you a boring character, Brevin, to have only one motivation and never stray from that? Yes, it does. Are you suggesting that John Morrison is a boring character? Right now, yes. The last, like, 12 missions, John has been a boring character. Wow. See, that is a hot take. That is a hot take coming straight from the reflectors. We are reflecting light right back onto... I think anyone who's listening to this can tell that I am, like, so disinterested right now in, like, what's going on in the game. And, like, I'm just playing it to to know what's going on. Because, like, I understand, like, I, I care about John. I don't, I don't, I mean... I shouldn't say I don't care about what's going on in Mexico and stuff like that, but like, I wanna I wanna find my wife and my kids. And if I was John, I wouldn't do it exactly the way he's doing it and be more like, I don't know, I don't know, man. It's just it's it's so, tough to get close I, to these characters. I like what they... you said about not caring about what's going on in Mexico because I don't think the game wants you to care about what's going on in Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what confuses me is like. You, we're spending a third, actually a third of the game in Mexico. All of the activities north of the border are so far away now, like, I forgot that they happened. Like, remember when yeah. we would help Marshall Johnson clear out Pike's yeah. Basin? That feels like eons ago. Like, we are in yes. Mexico. This is a whole sequence. And yet, all of the interactions, like, n- no one seems to be captivating there's nothing where it's like ooh, i wonder there's no intrigue for me where i'm like i wonder what's gonna happen yeah. i mean i've played it before so maybe that plays into that but but even then i don't remember what's gonna happen like i didn't remember reyes or luisa or any of them and i still don't care ah see like and i think this is one of the problems that rockstar has when it when it makes so many of their characters punchlines and Either either punchlines or like caricatures of whoever Rockstar deems to be like bad people, like the dictator, for example, like nothing interesting about the dictator. Does Santa sort of interesting? Espinosa the most interesting to me, and then in the end you just kill him, right? Yeah. So whatever. Um, so like, there's it doesn't give you anything to hold on to to say like, like. I think it's I think it's cool and interesting that they have this long game that John is playing where he needs to do this for his family, he needs to do this for his family. But if you make the motivations of the character only the long game and nothing else that he does he cares about, why do I care about it? Exactly. And then it becomes just a matter of getting over the next hill so you can get more information. Like as a player, I don't care about the Mexican Revolution. I don't care about what louisa is doing all i care about is figuring out where javier Esquale and bill williamson are because that's what john's caring about yeah and that's what it is that's why like i i cannot believe we've done like fi- like almost 15 missions probably of this mexican war stuff and yet we still have not found them 
that is absurd, isn't it? Although, see, now I'm now I'm countering my own argument where I'm thinking, do we do you and I only care about that because we played Red Dead 2 and we know who these characters are? Is that why? Is that our problem with this game? Where if if you came at it from a fresh perspective, didn't know who those characters are, you just have this old man running around, John Marston, saying, mm-hmm. oh, I need to find, you know, John Smith. Like, pretend like that's what he's saying. I need to find yeah. John Smith to save my wife and my child, whom you haven't met, player, by the way. Like, maybe... In, from that perspective, we couldn't. We don't really care that much about any of these people. We don't care about the wife and kid. We don't care about John Smith. All we care about is what he's doing moment to moment, and that is what makes the game interesting. And because our standards are lowered, then we are able to more immerse ourselves in the moment to moment missions of Mexico and helping out Nigel West Dickens. And it's not as painful of an experience. You cracked the code. That's it right there, I think. You've got me on that. You've won me over. That's, That's it. it. That's it. We it, Like, do we even... If we didn't know... If Red Dead 2 didn't exist, would we even know who Abigail and Jack are right now? We would just know that he has a wife and a kid. Do we even know their names? I don't think... I mean, I think, she, I think he mentions... He actually names Jack when Louisa asks, asks him about him at one point. Um, but besides that, I don't think we would know, no. So, like... I think that's what it is. Play Red Dead 1 before you play 2. <laughs> that's the conclusion. That's the better way to play it, for sure. It is, for sure. 100%. Ah. That's almost always the better way to do things. Do it in the way it's released. It's like the Star Wars thing. Watch the original trilogy, then watch the prequels, then watch the sequels. That's the way it was meant to be watched, because it was the way it came out. Yeah, Chronological Order does not do this any justice man so okay yeah maybe if we didn't play red dead 2 we'd care more about what's going on in mexico but what's going on in mexico to me is not interesting because the game seems to want you to be nihilistic about politics it wants you to say oh everyone's getting abused by everyone so don't support either side like if there's a if there's a theme to draw from the conflict in mexico it's that even the even the leader of the revolutionary of, of the revolution is a jerk so yeah whatever just throw your hands up and then that's it there's nothing don't even bother with politics you're fighting there's for no what winning you in politics in. yeah essentially is what even if they're not trying to convey that message which i think they are what happens in the story conveys that message yeah so it just makes me sort of like feel sad inside and like eh, you know it's tough it's really tough <sighs> I, it makes me want to play a game like Red Faction, where where it's just like blind, like action, action, but also like the vindication of like the, these are the evil people who are very clearly evil, and we will fight yep. against them, and everything that we do is a very clear black and white victory over them. Mm-hmm. And it it you, as you fight, the map fills out, and you like take over more areas, and it feels very immediately satisfying. And this game is not that. Oh, my oh, this gosh. game is not even remotely immediately satisfying. I don't think I've been satisfied <laughs> since we've gotten to Mexico. Oh, man. Brevin, what are we doing? We're just, you know, ragging can we on cancel, the game. That... Can we cancel a season mid? I mean, wouldn't that be just the most, like, this game isn't worth playing and we're just going to stop? Well, what, ha- what would happen if we did that? No, then we'd get backlash. This game is 100% worth playing. That's absurd to say it's not worth playing. <laughs> no, it's no, not to say it's not worth playing, but it's not worth playing as a podcast and we just cancel it. 
just cancel the podcast. There's something to be said there. I don't know if this game's 100% <laughs> worth, being, worth being talked about in a podcast. Oh, no. In the sense of like going into really in-depth things about the characters, because the characters are there for such a short amount of time. This season is a mistake, you're saying. I don't want to say it's a mistake. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I'm just I'm enjoying the season. I don't know if I'm enjoying the game currently. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that maybe that's it though. I think the 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 enjoyment out of season one is analyzing the characters and breaking down the events and trying to figure out and make sense of Red Dead Two. And the enjoyment of season two is just like laughing at Red Dead One. Yeah, time. laughing at it. And literally. well, not laughing at, but laughing at our experience with it. I think is more appropriate because. To judge it on its own as a piece of media, like, it holds up, but through the lens that we're analyzing it is sort of a farce, really. Yeah. In the end, Brevin, you know, we went on the treasure hunt to find meaning in Red Dead 1, and all we got was a glass eye. Hey, we'll see. Maybe everything could change. Before you know it, we're going to be back with our favorite characters. Which ones? You know, like Javier, Bill, all the old guys. <laughs> I thought you were going to the... say, like, uh, Seth. And Seth, Nigel. Nigel. We're going to be back with our favorite. Irish. Mm, my favorite. We'll be there. We'll get there before we know. I'm so and... excited to see what happens in the Northeast, by the way, because I don't remember anything, basically. You get, I just know you get to drive in a car. Not in a mission. Oh. You get to ride in a car, I should say. Okay. All right. I think I just purposely talk about it because I feel like I brought it up a lot of times. Like, I feel like, I think in the, like the first episode of season one of the show, you were like, what do you remember from Red Dead? And I was like, I remember riding in a car. (laughs) Stinkly in Blackwater. I remember doing it. So we spent, you probably spend like maybe 45 seconds in a car at most. And I, I distinctly remember remember that. that. And you spend hours in Mexico. And what do you remember about Mexico? Nothing. Oh my gosh. I would it's love the... if you are someone from Mexico and has like a good understanding of Mexican culture and history to write in and give give your perspective on the portrayal of Mexico in this game. Because something that I was thinking about is you know, if you if you're if you're making a game that's in the West, right? And you want it to be to at least have a semblance of appearing realistic you do you do research you figure out like what type of guns were people using in that era what did people Mm -hmm. look like how did people live what was the culture like how did people speak right and that colors the entire experience that you craft of the game and i was thinking like i think i think when i went to mexico first i was thinking of it as like a small little um excursion right yeah Where well, you, you were just, comparing it to guarma earlier yeah so if you if you just do three missions in mexico you don't need to do that level of research you just need to you just need to understand like basically that mexico is a different country and people speak spanish and that'll probably be enough for you to get by for three missions but they are planting us in mexico for essentially a 20 a missions yeah. essentially and that makes me think so they must like, this is a great deal of attention that they've given to Mexico. So they must have done research into what the people were like, what was going on, the politics of the time. Like, maybe there was a, I, maybe there was a revolution going on that I don't even know about that was, like, really important and significant. And that lens would add meaning to what we're seeing happen in Mexico in the game. But because we don't have that, we don't know. Um, but, but even yeah. then, I don't know, because it just doesn't feel like it's given, you know... 
enough what's the word i'm trying to think of enough importance like reyes is kind of a joke the colonel's kind of a joke everyone's just kind of a joke here and like oh it's a war at the same time so like yeah. it's like it seems like a like a, a wrongful you know portrayal a bad depict yeah that's a that's actually a great point that the leaders of both sides of this political struggle in mexico are jokes so if that's the case, then what did, what are you trying to say about the Mexican people as a whole? Like, yeah, these are stupid. the people at the forefront of fighting for different values of this country. And you portray one as like a Casanova guy who doesn't remember girls' names and just, you know, says poetry for the sake of picking up girls. And then another guy is like a rapist who, you know, abuses his power and hates peasants and is like a totally like a cartoon character. Yeah. So that yeah. What is there to even be said here? Nothing. There's nothing good. It's I don't care. Let me be done with this. <laughs> You're trying to end this conversation, Brett, and I can tell. And I understand. No, I'm really. I'm not even trying to end it. It's just the fact that like Rockstar, what are you doing? What What is the point in all this? That's what I want to know. Someone sat down and said, "Yes, we are going to take this game. A third of it's going to be in Mexico, which is, and a third of it is going to be about this war." A cool like that's a cool idea for a game in 2010 to do that people are presuming is going to be about cowboys. Now you're going to spend a third of it in Mexico. Like, what are you going? That's a great opportunity, right? Yeah. But then what they do with it is just so unsatisfying. So I would love write to, in. I want people to write in. What What do you think about this? this is as well? and this I, is sort of gets to what I was saying about emails earlier. Like, I want to get people's. I feel like I'm just insane right now. Like. <laughs> Because I'm just I'm just on here talking about how I don't like Mexico, not Mexico, but like the Mexico segment <laughs> of Red Dead One. Yeah, and I don't know. Like maybe people really love it. So right in. I mean, I Thomas, I know you're a big Red Dead One fan, right? Or you've played a lot of it anyway. Um, what do you think about the Mexico sequence? Like, what does it mean to you? And if you're, especially if you if you understand Mexico more than I do, and if you have some insight about it. Let me let me know. Like I need a Ria email about Mexico and like what it exactly what, what is going on there. Um, man. Anyway, right. Brevin. back to Mexico. Father Abraham is the next mission. Yes. Uh, let's see. Where am I in my notes? Oh yeah, Luisa. We're gonna ambush the army. Is that the same thing? <laughs> so you walk up to Luisa's mission, and Luisa is not there. Apparently. Wait. I think she is. This is the one where she's like, they have my father or something, or they have my family. And you're like, well, I don't really got time for that. And they're like, please, John, do it, because you're a good man. And you'll, and he's like, well, out of respect for your family, I'll do it. And specifically in my notes, I said, John, don't help her, dude. You got your own stuff. So, wow. Brevin, come on, man. I'm arguing what? the opposite this whole time, and you're, you're giving John a way out. You're saying, don't worry about it, John. You have your own family. No. Is this going to help me get closer to my family? Nothing that he does gets, helps him get closer, apparently. Because so <laughs> he's dumb. <laughs> he might as well fight for some moral values. Oh, my gosh. So I think, actually, we messed up because that, that scene where her house is burned down, she, has, she says that her father was killed, was leading up to you saving Reyes. I think she said, will you please, like, save Reyes because otherwise the revolution will... Because I'm and I'm saying that because the next mission that you go up to, it's not Louisa that you run into first. It's these two random Mexican guys, and they take your gun away from you, and then they finally escort you to Louisa. See, I did that mission last, so mine's a little out of order. I did I did all the required missions, but I accidentally did the the Mexican train robbery mission. 
like second to last. But I was gonna change it to to fit in with how I thought you probably played it. So now I'm all confused. I don't know what I don't know what scenes go with what missions. Then. So this okay. So I can I can tell you exactly what this mission was. You ambush the army and you plant the dynamite. Remember that mission? That's what I'm talking about right now. I do. So maybe I just didn't write anything about that mission, and that's why I'm skipping ahead. Yeah. yeah. All I wrote was why is there another button prompt after the first button prompt to blow up the dynamite? Because it messed me up. Do you remember oh, that? So you're you're okay. So you the 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 idea in this mission feels very red faction by the way i was thinking about it while i was playing i guess um you decide where to plant dynamite and then you use the plunger i think it's called to detonate it which is a cool weird idea like i actually like this this last few strings of missions because of the mission variety like you're sniping to save reyes and Mm -hmm. riding on the carriage to get through the mexican checkpoints and stuff that actually was a fun mission i was making fun of it but it was fun and this is interesting. I do like, um, <laughs> one thing I like is uh, Louisa says, do you know anything about dynamite? And, and John says, she doesn't sound like that. I don't know why I said it like that. And John says, um, yeah, I, I used to use it. I might be a little rusty or something like that. And then when he go immediately he's like, just walks around and acts like a supervisor and says, put dynamite here, put dynamite yeah. here. Which like, that's not using any of your knowledge of dynamite. Well, he, makes, he makes a specific comment about like, you know, sometimes banks wouldn't be so nice to let you in. Yeah, yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, what did he say he says sometimes you can't go out the front door or something you need yeah, to make your yeah. own way out um yeah so and now we actually know that history that john has with dynamite because we've seen him use it in banks which is funny that is funny huh i don't know <laughs> after i don't know, I don't know it, it just it's just like nails that high school reunion in effect where it's like ah all of all of the vitality of our lives are gone and we're just going through rote routine and working nine to five and nothing really matters and have you seen pictures of my kids no one cares about your family john only you only you but really can we talk about the 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 second button prompt for the (laughs) it really messed me up it it really made me upset i planted it so well exactly what happens because i'm i'm a little confused so you you put down the dynamite you walk up to the top with the plunger and you wait for the the army to to move up above or on the dynamite it says press y to use the plunger so i was like okay when everyone's in the perfect spot i'm gonna press y and use the plunger and then a second prompt comes up is like, oh, you can look around while you're on the plunger. You can do all these fun things. And then you got to press B to actually use it. So first you have to press Y to put your oh. hands on it and then press B to use. That's the dumbest thing. Like, so why you, is there? Did you wait for the carriage to show up and then press Y to use the plunger? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. No, I, I pressed Y to use the plunger as soon as I walked up there. And if you do that, that makes sense because then by the time the carriage shows up, you can blow up independent individual yep. dynamite like as they're underneath carriages and stuff. <laughs> so you waited for them to, and then you press Y, and then it's like do all this weird stuff to blow up the dynamite when you want it to blow up right away. Oh, right away. That's awesome. It was so anticlimactic. I love that that happened for you. That's so disappointing. And the um, fact, like, I didn't expect it to go off like one at a time. I expect it to be like you push it and everything goes off at once. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But it doesn't do that. It was annoying, but it's all right. It is sort it, of It made for a funny moment. It does. You're just like trying to learn a tutorial while the carriages are riding away. You're like, wait, come <laughs> back. I need to blow you, blow you up. Don't go. Um, yeah, I that was a fun mission. And I, I was actually probably putting more thought into it than I think I needed to because like I blew up a couple and then there were some people that were still alive. But then like 
the soldiers that are with you just completely destroy anyone that was left oh, yeah. alive. Like, there's no... It's just meant to make you feel cool, that mission, I think. Not to be, like, a real combat encounter. I had um, one buggy thing where one of the guys somehow got away. And, like, he just ran really far away and just stopped. And he just stood there. So I had to, like, run past the bridge a little bit and then just take him out. <laughs> that's <laughs> He wasn't going to die. It was super weird. Maybe that's because I blew up the, the dynamite so late or something. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. He's like, I don't have anything to do anymore because you've taken so long. Yep, this my pathfinding is over. So <laughs> yeah, I ran out of instructions. I'm just going to stand here. Hmm. All right, Brevin. So that's the mission. Oh, okay. So she wants to fight back against the army in order to make something of her father's death. That's yes, what Yes, she is. wants to give her father's death purpose. Yeah, um, which is cool. I... I appreciate that. I don't understand why John's helping her again. Like, this is even... Wait a minute. Hold on. What? I just made the argument that, John, don't help her, dude. You got your own (laughs) stuff to deal with. And you got mad at me for that. But then you just said that. No, I believe that John should help her. But why is he? But why is he? Because (laughs) everything else that he's done so far is against that reasoning. Um, so this is maybe maybe this is meant to be the turning point where where John gets a gets a heart and he says, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't just help out terrible people in pursuit of my wife and child, and maybe I should, you know, help people for the good of helping them." Period. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I don't believe it. I don't believe no, that don't for believe a second. No. So then it's like, if I don't believe that, then what is John doing? And I think our problem is that we expect too much out of John and his intentionality because he doesn't have any. He just wanders around. He's like, duh, 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 duh. oh, your dad died. Let me blow up a bridge for you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. John Marston, what what are you doing, man? Ugh. All right. So let's just move on. We're going to I'm gonna skip over the train robbery mission. We'll save that for last. And we're going to capture DeSanta. I'm surprised you did the train robbery mission. You didn't do that I just last. went to the... I just went to the next, like, available spot, and it just happened to be the train robbery mission. Oh, I was like, okay. Because okay. I I'll think that's a, that's a Reyes mission, and they both show up on the map at the same time. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, so DeSanta. This is um, Cowards Die Many Times, I believe, is the name of the mission. Yeah, so basically... Oh, no. Uh, no, I think it's actually called, like, The Fall of DeSanta or something like that. Oh, yeah, no, it is. It is called that. For sure it's called that. So, yeah, we're going to capture DeSanta... Um, and we basically go storm this little area where DeSanta is, shoot a bunch of people, and that's that's the main part. I don't remember really what happens. At so the this bothers what me. What do they talk about? Because they say we have to go f- get DeSanta and kill him because he and some soldiers are massacring citizens over at, and then they say the they say a location name, and I was like, okay, I think that's, I think I thought it was the the little town that you go to. Um, where you get ambushed a few times and then you show up and it's a graveyard and they're killing yeah, people yeah, yeah. at a great like why why is that where a massacre is taking place that doesn't make any sense i didn't even realize a massacre was taking place because it's at a graveyard <laughs> so i mean i guess they brought citizens there to dig their own graves to shoot them but... oh yeah i think that is yeah that is that is the point that's in a cutscene specifically i think it just seemed weird to me to call that a, ma- a massacre because I think of a massacre as like not so, not so clearly deliberate and drawn out of an of a action. But I mean, I guess it could be. Yeah. 
I mean, this is just like so plainly evil. I don't get it. This is what bothers me. Like, how does how do, how does this action in particular further the efforts of the dictator or de Santa? Say that one more time because I was reading my notes for like two seconds. I didn't. How, even how does massacring citizens at a graveyard help them do anything? Oh, it doesn't. It just well, maybe I guess it makes them scarier. It's intimid. It's just raw intimidation. Yeah, I guess that would fear be it. tactics. But even then, does does Santa really think that the rebels are afraid of like the Mexican army? It doesn't seem like they are. <laughs> with I how think, much they I think fight them. If anything, is about making the normal people afraid, which apparently exists somewhere, even though everyone appears to be either a rebel or a soldier. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is just the sort of like extremes that. The fact that there's no color, there's no color to either side, and it's just, you know, these people are evil. Well, I don't know. It's like, it's like there's color to the revolutionary side in that they're sort of bad people as well, and it's sad. And then the, you know, army side is just completely terrible. So then you're like, I guess I'll root for the revolutionaries, but it's just so unclean and complicated Maybe that's the point. Maybe it's the point is that to bring about real change, you need to steep to low, stoop to low levels of morality yourself. But that's not a very good message. I don't. I think that's a terrible message, and I don't believe that <laughs> for a second. But maybe that's what they're trying to say. And the fact that they're trying to say that by placing it in Mexico in this power struggle, I think is just. I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it either. DeSanta, Brevin, you you finally get to confront this guy who you worked with with so long um yeah you beat the crap out of him the waiter comes in to save DeSanta from death at the end you know the the really you don't know what i'm talking about Brevin? no i don't remember this part what happened the waiter um i know the waiter that saunters in in and is like i'll save you DeSanta, my love and then I'm joking because it's, okay, it's I was a completely one-dimensional, if that, character that doesn't like, play into like anything <laughs> at all and only serves to prove the sexuality of one of the characters, which is just absurd. And that's all I was trying to say. Um, okay, just making sure. I was really worried. I was like, did I just like not pay attention at all to what was going on? Uh, I'm sorry, oh, man. man. I, I, I need fine. to make my own fun, remember? Because we're in Mexico I understand. and it's... It's not real Mexico. It's Rockstar's version of Mexico, which is apparently just terrible everywhere you go. I get it. I'm not. I'm not enough fun. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, you're the problem. Um, um, yeah. So we we have De Santo. We're beating the crap out of him, telling him, you know, where's Javier Escuela? Um, and we find out he's in Casa Madrugada. Is that how you say it? One thing that's funny. You, you're skipping over a lot because you kill everyone and then you, DeSanta's left and you have to capture him by lassoing him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You chase him down, yeah. Which is really bizarre because what DeSanta says in this sequence doesn't sound like something DeSanta would say. It sounds like something like any bounty that you were hunting after would say. Where he'll what be does like, he say? Well, he'll be like, oh, I'll pay you if you let me go or like, you know i think it's just that i think that's what he says and then when john lassos him and like puts him on the horse i think he said like don't annoy don't annoy the horse or something <laughs> which is funny <laughs> just, but it's like with the they, default they totally missed this opportunity to have a dynamic conversation between DeSanta and john mm-hmm. where like finally john is in a position of power and DeSanta is not like why wouldn't you have them talk about each other personally and say like john like 
Um, you betrayed the Mexican army's, you know, strategies, and then John would say you betrayed me by, you know, where's the ten thousand pesos, twenty thousand pesos? That makes me mad too. Oh yeah, yeah. I wanted I wanted money to buy the war horse. Um, <laughs> You're not getting your money. <laughs> no, I'm not. You do get to Santa, and then you torture him. And this actually reminded me a great deal of Arthur. Did you get that impression? Yeah, it did. It feels like Definitely. what Arthur does um, to get information out of so many people in Red Dead 2. Uh, and actually, I don't know that we ever see John do that in Red Dead 1, do we? I mean, 2. We don't see him do that in Red so. Dead 2. So it's like it's like he learned a little bit from Arthur. And I on, I honestly was like, I don't even want to hear what DeSanta has to say. Like, what... What makes he knows he's gonna die, so why would he tell the truth? Yes, and I think that's something that like actual studies have found is that torturing people is just like a not an effective way of getting information out of them because they have no incentive to actually tell the truth, or they'll just invent stories just to make you stop torturing them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so DeSanta tells him, "Oh, they're at some city name that's nearby," and John's like, "Okay," and he leaves. Uh, well, he doesn't leave. So what happens, Brevin? What do you do? Here? So you have you have the option to either kill DeSanta or let the rebels do it. Mm-hmm. And and I let the rebels do it. <gasps> what? I totally killed DeSanta. Are you kidding me? No, dude. I got to save as much time as possible to save my family. Oh, I'm gonna my save gosh. that ten seconds. I viewed killing him in that moment as saving time. Not just saving time, but saving thought. Like I'm so sick of dealing with DeSanta. I was just like, let me be done with this and know that he is dead because he has been so annoying to me. You know what I was like? I was like, let me be done with the Revolutionary War of Mexico and be done with all of this. And let me go save my family. So, yeah, I let the rebels deal with them because, like, I don't know. I, I feel like John also would do that, too. Like, like, does John care? John just John beat him up not to yell at him, but to get information again. What's funny is, yeah, like, I don't really have any personal vendetta against... Well, okay, I do as a player in that he's aiding a tyrant, right? But Mm -hmm. I know that John doesn't really care about DeSanta. He only wants to use him for information. Yeah, that's exactly why I let the rebels kill him. But DeSanta did betray him multiple times, which would be a character motivation for John to want to kill him, right? That's true. So, what's but funny... But the rebels also have more of a reason to kill them. Because, like, they're fighting ah, so deliberately like give, against them. Give the kill to the rebels for their yeah. cause. Um, what, yeah, I don't know. So, what's funny, though, about both of our reactions is neither of us were like, is it morally okay to kill DeSanta in this situation since he was helpless? Yeah, no, and, it's fine. Like, I'm so far, in a way, removed from that at this point. I just want to get out of mexico and i feel like john has reached a level of depravity 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 i don't know how depravity depravity i don't know but it sounds better um that he i don't even care like i'm not even considering moral choice at this point because apparently john is willing to burn villages to the ground for the sake of his wife and child so why not just shoot to santa too like it's not the the spectrum is so far skewed towards evil for me that I'm just like, I don't know, whatever. And now something that, that, Oh, I, I don't know if I did this last time, but I wanted to talk about it. I ticked over to like the, 
the highest honor tick or maybe like the second to highest and it says mm-hmm. like it's called like savior of the land or like hero or something and i was like okay john marston hero come on why is there there, there shouldn't even be an honor and that's what drives thing. me crazy too is like why is the fact that i saved some lady who you know who needed a ride back to town how how is that have more bearing over aiding a tyrant in suppressing you know people from having their individual liberties ah mm-hmm. oh, brevin don't even get me started it's not worth it don't even think about it we're almost out of here and you get out of there and you go to this town casa madrugada or whatever it's called and it's a trap it's a trap of course it's a trap by the way that doesn't make any sense why would this be a trap how how was this coordinated yeah <laughs> Does Santa knew that he was going to get tortured and then tell... He always had these people set up there. Oh, my gosh. This this is just a lazy move, honestly. This is lazy. They didn't put the thought in it to say, why is there an ambush? Like, you could just have him... Just have John walk in and then have a bunch of Mexican soldiers playing cards and him being like, where's Escuela? And they'd be like, oh, it's you. And then they pull their guns on him. And then the fight starts. But they set it up to be an ambush... When there's absolutely no re like, are they just sitting there hiding in case someone shows up and they're like, oh, is this a revolutionary? Oh, <gasps> that's the guy. That's the guy that we want to kill. He just happened to be <laughs> sent over here. De Santa came up with the idea to, to leave a bunch of military soldiers at this town. And in case he ever got caught, he could send people there. It's his that are also looking policy. for it's. Yeah, exactly. He just hired them to stay there forever. Ah, good writing. What even is this, Brevin? What even is this? Well, we got... Oh, uh, yeah, that's literally it, though. You literally fight everyone, and you're like, oh, he tricked me. And that's it. That's the end. And we got one more mission. (laughs) No, we have two more. Um, Two more? The train robbery, but also the one where you go... uh, Father Abraham is the name of the mission. And... Did I not do this? So, are you looking at the mission list right now? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So this is I one swear I did six missions. You go to Louisa, and um, rather than encountering Louisa right away, you see two Mexican guys, and they like and they look tough in front of John, and they take one of his guns. Mm-hmm. And then you finally get to Louisa, and she's no longer like a a woman who is just assisting a rebellion, but she's like a leader in the rebellion. Are you not? From... is this this is the mission with the with the bombs no way that can't be right is it, it def- i'm looking at it right now the mission is called father abraham yeah yeah this is the mission with the bombs okay so that's why i'm so confused okay i i wanted to talk about this mission and i i guess we can go back to it to talk about the dialogue well All i right. thought it, yeah let's do it. i thought it was funny by the way that they take one gun from john as in like that's to symbolize that they're taking the guns from him but i have like 16 guns on my person so oh yeah yeah they just magically appear on your yeah. back that's funny um i thought louisa is like a mob boss now and i thought that was really cool i think this is an interesting character growth for louisa that she's now leading people and they're listening to her um probably the most interesting character growth oh, but wow, there's a helicopter going over oh you can hear that I can hear it for sure. It actually sounds a little bit like a garbage disposal, though, not like a helicopter. Is a garbage disposal flying over my house? <laughs> what an interesting concept. Um, I think I think what sort of makes her less interesting, though, is her still her persistent love for Abraham Reyes, which is just sad. 
Like, why can't she just be a woman who's fighting a revolution for her own reasons and doesn't need to be the love, doesn't need to be a fixated on this other man? Because it's a video game type. I don't need no man, Brevin. That's all I'm trying to say. Oh. Um, so here are some things that John Marson says to Louisa. Ready? Yeah. Um, war is brutal and unnecessary and good people die. While there are guns and money, there won't be any freedom. And hold on. Okay, so so Louisa says, good actions make you a good man. And then John says, then I'm doomed. So <laughs> at least he's self-aware to that point. Um, and then John says, we're all shooting people. Don't really seem different. So this is getting back to my, my theory that what Rockstar is trying to express with this sequence is that, you know, war is bad and it doesn't matter what side you're fighting on because, you know, bad things happen but like isn't that just so sad and just depressing to the point where i don't even want to think about it yeah no it's too it's too real (laughs) well it's not real though because if you if you really believe that there's no point in the mexican people fighting for this revolution and even in this hypothetical totally extreme whacked out revolution like they need to fight against Allende, because if they don't, then he'll just continue to rule over them and their lives will be miserable and they'll have no social agency or any ability to rise in their ranks of society or contribute in a meaningful way. And they'll just rot under the heel of Allende, right? So, Well, I think maybe they're trying to look at it in like a more broad term, you know, like war's not good because people die. Like, innocent oh, lives on. are taken. What are they suggesting? That they have like a peaceful, you know boycott of the army of what the are you war? yeah <laughs> what are you gonna do just like n- not farm and then starve to death war is not good and that's it but they're ah uh, like if okay if they really believed that and they wanted to express that they would do such a better job i know the, they would do such <laughs> they would like show like sad things happening on both sides and make you feel it as a character but in as a player but instead you end up just feeling like I don't really like any of these people, and this is just boring, <laughs> which is not—it's not bringing home any message. No, it's it's useless. So I just to revisit, like, war is brutal and, and and unnecessary, and good people die. But John, you you literally have assisted in both sides of a war, killing good people, so that you could get your wife and your son back. So yeah. why, like, he's fighting his personal war for his own reasons, doing violent things for the sake of some ultimate end, and he's judging other people for having their own war? That is actually more justified than anything John has ever done up to this point. John should be the one getting judged, because he's the one who's just hopping into, for his own benefit, to yes, whatever side he, seems he's a war um, profiteer, essentially. Where he's profiting off of information that just isn't there, so he's just a terrible he's war just, profiteer. Yeah, he's just he's just existing in between a war and causing havoc. So he does make some callbacks to when he was fighting for a bigger cause, and I, th- I think he sees some of the ideals of Dutch in in the people in the revolutionaries' ideals, and that's a connection that he makes. And he says that's that's when he says while while you know they're fighting for for freedom and he says while there'll be guns and money there won't be any freedom 
Uh, and that is John's experience because mm-hmm. he lived through that, right? But, I mean, I feel like John just isn't thinking big enough here, honestly. Like, Can you expect John to, though? Oh, I just wish he would, though. Like, why can't we have a character that thinks bigger than his wife and son, man? Why? Because this is a this is a this is Red Dead Redemption One. You can't have that yet. Uh, we gotta wait give, till the sequel. Give John tuberculosis so we can wake up to real life, man. That's what I need. <laughs> a little shot of TB. He'll he'll be right right peppy with morality. Wake you right up. Wake you right up to what's going on. What's really going on in this world, man. Um, All right. You got any more for that mission? I want to talk about this line that I already read. Good actions make you a good man. This, I think, I think when John hears this, and I, I hope when John hears Louisa say this, it makes him think of Arthur because that is Arthur's total arc. Good actions mm-hmm. make you a good man. Yes. And... If you're John and you're hearing Louisa say this and you're thinking of Arthur, how do you feel about what who you are at a person? Yeah, what you what you've done. What you've done, John. How do you feel? Good actions make you a good man. And all you're what fighting for. What would Arthur for, think? Oh, what would Arthur think? Yes. What Arthur I mean Arthur to be to his credit was all about protecting his family. Whatever it takes, you get Abigail and Jack and you get them out of here. So almost maybe this whole game is a distorted reading of Arthur's advice, <laughs> where Arthur says, "Whatever happens, get get Abigail and Jack out of here." And John says, "Oh, whatever happens, you mean like fighting the revolutionaries in Mexico?" Okay, Arthur. And he so <laughs> distorts Arthur's original message that Arthur would see this and say, "Like, what are you doing, John? Why are you killing?" innocent people in mexico what is what happened but abigail and jack is like okay yeah but for what now mm, brevin you can't you can't get too deep into it tyler you're gonna get mad you're gonna get mad you're already mad i'm mad i'm fired up all right yeah it's it's just john i'm gonna put my i'm gonna do this you can describe to people what i'm doing uh so brevin is it's was that a facepalm or was, that was it a facepalm? Okay. Was a facepalm. Okay. Like, he was doing that's the facepalm. Which you shouldn't touch your face in a time like this. I just want to say my, that. I'm right? at my own house. No, even so. I mean, really, you should try to avoid touching your face. I mean, I definitely do touch my face a lot, so I'm not one to talk, but. <laughs> All right. Are we on the last mission? Uh, Yeah. I, I'm just, um, I'm trying to figure out, do, 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 do. Yes, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I, I was reading ahead in my notes, but it, that this is in the mission. So, yeah, let's get started on the great train robbery. The train robbery. All right, so... what? Can you can you run run it by me? Why are we doing this? Are we just trying to get supplies for, like, the, the rebels? Yeah. Uh, I think that's, like, as deep as it goes, really, right? There was another one where they were talking about just, just like... Or destroying supplies for the army? yeah i don't remember if that was this mission but there's a line that's like oh john says like oh you're gonna try to steal the supplies and then someone says no we're just gonna destroy them because we want to you know attack you know we're sending a message essentially but i think this is one where you are actually stealing the supplies because there's people who meet you well it's also a robbery too it is a great train robbery not great train destruction Destruction. so (laughs) 
Um, before we get there, though, do you do you remember the ranch where you meet um, Reyes? It's not distinctly. No. It's what about beautiful. It? I want to live there. Next time you go there, check it it's out. Like, wow, I need to like. Pay it's like a. That. It's a gorgeous house set up. It's like the perfect size of a house. Ugh. And just like being in the desert, it, it it really is just like a beautiful. You would want to live in the desert. No, no, but I think <laughs> I think just seeing a nice house in that landscape is really distinct, and it makes me appreciate it more for some reason. Dude, can you think about how hot those houses might be? Like, if you lived in one of those houses. Oh, my gosh. It'd be, I'm... like, they don't even have, like, windows. Well, I think... Like I it's think just open air. That might be why, like, siestas are a, are a common cultural thing is because it's just, like, too hot. Like, you literally can't go anywhere. So you just stay in your house and sleep until the sun comes down. Um, that sounds miserable. Yeah, it doesn't sound great, honestly. I am so grateful for where i live and like the ac that i have on um, like i can't even showers oh my gosh not that people in mexico don't have showers i'm just saying like oh you know what i was doing actually i got cold i got ice water before this to drink mm-hmm. that i famously spilled during the oh, email yeah. segment um and i was like wow the fact that i can just get ice like in my cup right now is just absurd like what a ludicrous luxury that is we Isn't that insane? Ice the fact on, that we can record this podcast. I mean, don't even get me started. Oh, Brevin. Recording our podcast and then sending it out to the internet and then random people online just decide to listen to it. Thank you for luxury. listening, Reflectors. Tweet tweet out at hashtag You just did a peace sign. You couldn't see it. I think that was a peace sign, wasn't it? Was it was a peace sign. Okay, you did it off camera. You just kind of like... I did an off sign. I mean, I was just feeling... I was just vibing, you know? I like that. With my, with my Reflectors. Um... So this is a lovely ranch. I don't know what we just talked about for 10 minutes, but um, so you, uh, oh, I, ah, no, what am I doing? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm using my notes app on my phone. I didn't write physical notes and I'm pressing buttons that are like making Dude, this is what I always do. I always use the notes app on the iPhone. I'm not, I'm not used to it. Uh, anyway, so no oh i'm breaking all right everything. do you want me to fill in yes what happens all right Brevin? so i just remember you go there and you do things but there's some there's some lines before it um there's this one funny line <laughs> do you want me to fill in so you go there and you do things no okay well, thank yeah, you for well, your expert on. commentary brevin i hold really on. appreciate it. i didn't get to the things you do i'll explain more when i get there okay this is on your on your way to do the things so there's a funny little comment about, from Ray's where he says, now that we are f- friends, I hope you don't get the sudden urge to kill me <laughs> because <laughs> he's talking about how like I'm after my best. I friends. did like that. Yeah. Um, <sighs> and then he talks a little bit about, um, about the old gang. He says a few good lines about them. Um, I'll read them right now. We were all bad kids, lost, angry, and forgotten. We stole from the rich and gave it to people who needed it more, which that's talked about. Mm-hmm. Not the first time. And there's another funny one, too, where it says, Reyes and Dutch would probably be good friends. Oh, so would they be good friends or would they be manipulators, like, at odds with one another? I think think Reyes would be under Dutch. Like, Dutch would definitely take the control. And then Reyes would be, like, a yes man. That's how I look at it. Uh, I wonder if Reyes would have more of, like, a Trelawney role where he just hangs. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he had... Reyes is weird because he's sort of like, 
collected all this power, but he seems so utterly apathetic in like his immediate moment to moment actions where it seems mm-hmm. like th- I wonder how much of his power is just from like people putting him in power and how much of it is him conniving to take power. You know what I'm I saying? I think most of it's from people putting him in power because he's just like the loud one. J- yeah, and, he's like, just loud and up. like vaguely charming and they're like, oh, he, he can lead us. Um, yeah, I, don't, I mean, maybe he has some like tactical merit, like he was able to successfully assault Chuparosa and get John mm-hmm. out. So that's something. Was um, there anything else? Remember from the from the lines that are said before you actually get to the train? Because the train mission's pretty. So I want to note that Reyes says Esquela. He does not say Esquela, which is fascinating. Oh. So, I mean, again, Allende, Allende. I think that. Javier Esquella is his real name, but just the gang is just so adamant about pronouncing it the way they read it or see yep. it that they just call him Esquella. And he, he probably was just like, whatever, you can call me whatever. Um, what's in a name? So I thought that was really interesting. But maybe, maybe it's just like at the same time, it could be a like the voice actor is actually Spanish, so he just reads it as he would think. It I would, would assume read. the voice actor is Spanish. Oh yeah, I, I assume so too, but. Maybe it's because he's Spanish that he reads as Esquella, even mm-hmm. though in the fiction it's pronounced Esquela, even by Spanish people. I don't know. I don't know. That is odd. I'm surprised I didn't catch that. Which makes me think that it's not something to be caught, but it's intentional. Uh, oh, yeah. So, all right. Anything else before we talk about actually what happens? Here? I actually like this mission. This mission was cool up to a certain point, and it turned into, you know, every other mission. Oh, so... Yeah, so he, th- there's specific mention of Dutch here where um, Reyes says, I like the sound of this man, Dutch, another violent idealist. Yep. <sighs> violent idealist. Yeah, that just sums it up, man. And of yep. course, I don't know. Like, I guess they would get along, but it's almost like, I wonder if, if you put them both together, would there be enough room for both of them to breathe? Like, they That's, both. Yeah. They both need to be cherished by everyone and giving speeches so i think they would start bat um batting heads what is that yeah batting, batting heads yeah. budding heads that's what i'm trying batting. to say batting heads like yeah like okay using a bat to hit someone in the head that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> so this is actually the first i think this is the first confirmation where john says i gotta find him once i'm done with these two have we ever heard that before no that was the con yes that is the first conference i noticed that I mean, can you imagine playing this game and being like, oh, I just need to find Williamson and Escuela, and that's it. And then you're playing this mission, and he's like, oh, and also I have to find Dutch after this. When it's taking, it's taken this long to get Williamson, never mind Escuela. And then you have to get another guy that I haven't even heard of before, who used to be the leader. Oh, my gosh. Who I don't even probably care about. It's just a name to them, right? Man, I maybe don't know. they do care about it because you don't know who it is, so it's like elusive. It's like, who is this Dutch guy? I can't wait to meet him. He was a mysterious, violent idealist. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then he says, he says, in the end, he went insane, lost face, lost faith in every, in everything, in everyone, which is actually surprisingly on key with I think our final takeaway or reading of Dutch's end in Red Dead 2. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Like we said yeah. he basically lost 
lost his mind or lost his like sense of reality and who he could trust to the point where he, so just, he just walks didn't trust anyone and walks away. Yeah. Um, so I actually, in playing Red Dead 2, it feels like what what's going on in Dutch's mind and what we're supposed to take away from that scene is supposed to be up in the air. But in hearing this line right now, this actually sort of cements it for me as like our reading is correct, that Dutch yeah. loses it and is just like, uh, throws his hands up in the air basically and says, I'm just going to eject myself from this situation because I cannot yeah. handle it anymore. Um, yeah, lost faith in everything, everybody. I can't wait to see Dutch again. It's going to be weird. I'm I'm worried that it's not going to be as satisfying as we want it to be. You're, it's probably not going to be. It's not going to be what I want it to be. It's gonna be. He's gonna be twisting his mustache and being like, "Aha! I I have your wife on the railroad tracks." And then, I s- no, you don't think that's gonna it's happen. Not gonna be it. If it is, I'm not gonna play the rest of the game. <laughs> you are you are ejecting yourself from the situation. I'm gonna eject myself from the game. Bremen. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So, yeah. I also wrote this. This is where I realized that Allende isn't the president. He's he's just a colonel beneath Sanchez. This is where Reyes is basically saying, like, yeah, Sanchez isn't great either. Like, people in America are being told that he's doing great things for our people, but he's not. Um. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Another thing that I that I like about this is they're having a conversation, and at one point. John says, yeah, but where are Williamson and Escuela? And it's just like, it really is annoying me at this point where I'm like, John, have something else to your character besides asking where these two men are. Have an opinion on something. Make a statement that's not just some vague joke about how things don't work out in life and everything is terrible. Like, oh my gosh. Hey, Brevin, where's where's Williamson? Have you... Do you know where Escuela is? Have no, but it, well, yes, but only if you do these few things for me, then I'll then I'll tell you. What do you? What do I need to do, Brevin? What, you need to go. Commit I need to know. Massive you, atrocity. Do you really know though? Do you know? Or are you just pulling me? Are you just leading me? I'm pretty in? sure I know. Do you know? You know. I, you know what? I'm I gonna, think I'm I just going to assume that you know because to, to I don't have any other options right now. So go right, murder you, all these families. Okay, that sounds reasonable. Let's do it. John's characters, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. All right. So, okay. And then this is what really, this is, um, the, he, Reyes says, my spies tell me they soon will have the information. What? Okay. Okay. What, <laughs> what spies and what spy says, I will soon have the information. What does that mean? You know something or you don't. You don't know when you will know something that you don't know. That is completely we're, we're absurd. We're on his tail. We're following his footprints. So soon we'll find him. My spies will soon have the information. Oh, my gosh. Like, do you remember, Brevin, when I sent you a screenshot of, like, the Windows update and when it says, you know, this may oh, take yeah, I know several exactly, minutes yeah. or something. Yeah. It's like the the least committal statement you could ever have, and that's that's what John is getting as an as a reward for helping this guy. This my spies will soon. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I am just so floored by this. And <laughs> of course, John is like, uh huh, 
Yeah. Your spies say no good stuff about where where is Squela? Where Williamson? What has uh, John's voice devolved into? Uh, remember how we were making an argument about whether or not John is stupid at one point? Is John stupid? I'm I don't know, man. It's almost it's actually sort of bad. It's like it's like he's not stupid and that's what makes me so mad. If I was playing as Bill Bill Williamson right now, I'd be like, I understand. I get Bill Williamson's <laughs> character. He just listens to people and he walks around and he, you know, has a good heart, but he's just easily led astray. Like John is almost worse than that because he has some awareness. He knows what he's doing. He understands philosophy, but he's just deciding to so utterly suppress that for the sake of finding his family that it, it makes him all the worse. It almost sounds like this game came out before Red Dead 2. I am inclined to agree. I'm going to take a screenshot of this because I'm worried that I'm going to mess up my notes so much that I can't oh figure it out. Um, All right. Are we, are we done talking about before this stuff? Can we talk about I know. I knives? keep on leading you on, huh? Um, why does John... <sighs> okay, so now I have some notes. I, I, I have some notes about uh, Stranger Missions that I did. But yeah, so you go and you get the throwing knives and then you go and he says, sneak onto the train and then start release the army part of the train and then you release the army part of the train and then you start the train and then you get on a minigun and you shoot people get on a minigun and you shoot people and then you awkwardly have to get off the minigun it doesn't tell you to it just you, you just sit there and you wait <laughs> and these I things know. these guys just hide on the back of the train and you have to go and get them what a weird design choice to have that happen i never considered that i i did the same exact thing though i was like are the people going to run into screen or do i just need to go get them well yep you got to climb up the train and go get them all right, I we're 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 crapping on this game too much. Uh, the throwing throwing know. knives are very fun. I love using they them. They are. They're very satisfying. It is very funny that like anywhere in the body kills them, but I yep. just I just have fun with it. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm excited. That's video game logic. I'm, I'm glad that I finally got it, and it's actually sort of impressive that I they've managed to make it this long, um, while still introducing new weapons and mechanics because. You, we don't even have dynamite yet, do we? Like throwing. I have dynamite. dynamite. I know that for sure. How did you? How did? When did we get that? I think you. I had it. I earliest I know I had it was when I planted the dynamite on that mission. But maybe that was just to signify that I had like that amount left to put down to tell them to put down. You know, I don't know. I know it was in my inventory though. Oh really? Okay. Because um, I wasn't sure how to put it down at first. I was like, do I have to put it down in my inventory or like tell people? And then yeah, figured it out. So yeah, there you do have it in this mission when you blow open the valuables car or whatever the vault car yeah right and this actually felt very reminiscent to something in red dead 2 so i wonder if they looked back on this as like a as like a touchstone for um how they wanted to play out the train robberies but it's they like definitely did yeah something about robbing a train by yourself is so much more sad <laughs> oh yeah it's know. not <laughs> it is not the same i can tell you that uh but yeah i mean they've really made a lot of use of the train in this game so far well not even in this game but in mexico right like you've done three four train related missions pretty sure yeah uh so yeah i mean that's fine trains are cool and they probably are are eager to use them to not have so much horse stuff (laughs) um yeah, so you, you sneak on the train, and 
it's very easy to sneak on the train because all the guards are yeah. in. Uh, it's not like a Metal Gear sequence or anything. They're just looking away. Um, and then you use the machine gun. I'm surprised at how much you use the machine gun. I feel like I remembered it being like a cool thing when you get near Blackwater to like use the machine gun. But of course, we use it like all the time. I think we've used it three times so far. Yeah. And uh, maybe maybe the cool part about using the machine gun was raiding the fort. And that makes sense because that's the first time you use it. Uh, the assault on Fort Mercer, I'm saying. Yeah, so you help him, and you get into the train car. And I was actually really excited because I was like, I'm going to make so much money off of this, but it's not really that much, is it? No. What do you get, like 200 I think it's $200, yeah. Which doesn't really... I mean, it's fine. It's it's a good amount of money. I was hoping for more, especially after being promised 20,000 pesos. I felt like this should have been... By the way, I don't know how many that is. I mean, I'm pretty sure... I was sure... going to ask you, what's the conversion ratio on that? Is I think... It, like, is that like $20? Modern? No way. Is it $20? Is it really? I have no idea. I don't know. You know what? Let's. I'm going to find out right now. Find out. But do find out the modern conversion, but also find out like the 1910 conversion. Um, and while you're talking about that... Okay, now it's a lot of... It's a, at least modern times, it's quite a bit of money. How much? 880. Oh, okay. Still not... I mean... 20,880 is a. I knew it was like pretty low amount of US dollars. So, yeah, so $880. So it's probably, I don't know, maybe it'd be like $1,000 in Red Dead 1 or like $2,000. But anyway, I mean, why why not just give you $2,000 at this point? This is something where, you know, money doesn't really seem to matter as much in this game. So I don't know. We haven't really talked about the economy in Red Dead 1, but we just spent like half an hour talking about it in Red Dead 2, huh? It's because there's not nearly as much stuff to spend money on. Yeah. Can't I mean, buy clothes. Can't really upgrade guns. Well, I have something to spend money on because I'm, I have the War Horse because I'm playing on Hardcore and the yep. Game of the Year edition. So, And I do want to say, Brevin, I'm happy to report I was able to buy the War Horse. You bought it. Wow. Is it like t- War Torn? Like, is it... Does it look like it's got, like, cuts on it and stuff? I don't think so. I, I'll check, but I'm pretty sure it's just, like, a br- big brown horse. Dark brown. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Um, like maybe that's, like, the war horse in a dead nightmare. Yeah, there might be a zombie horse or something. Uh, yeah, so I'll, t- I'll take a look, though. Maybe it does. I'm excited to use it. I think it was, like, the very last thing I did where I, uh, like, I just spent time just trying to farm for money because I wasn't quite there. And then I realized I had, like... 27 eagle feathers in my inventory and they're <laughs> worth like eight dollars each or something crazy so oh i was God. able to make tons of money um yeah so anyway anything else on this mission brevin i don't remember how it ends really except for you help you get the stuff i mean what if i'm john marston i'm like right there and like all right where are they like i helped you again what is going on no his spies are on it let me talk let me just talk a little bit about um negotiation right i'm no master negotiator uh but i think if you if you don't think about like a a trap that i see so many people fall into is they get a job and they're like oh i can't ask i can't ask for a raise i can't ask for a promotion like I'm I'm just like I'm happy to have I'm lucky to have what I have or mm-hmm. I don't deserve one or blah 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 or oh I hate my boss because they don't notice that I'm working hard or 
you know, reward my behavior. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with, first of all, understanding that nobody really cares how much money you make. You typically care more about money you make than other people. So it's, you know, it's easy. It, you saying I want a $10 raise sounds like a lot to you, but it probably doesn't sound like as much to the person you're talking to because they're like, well, 10, that's, that's an extreme example. But um, all of this is, I don't know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore, man. I'm like so You're talking about out. raises. I know, I know, but like, how does that have to do with Red Dead again? Oh, it's oh, because I have no idea. it's because John is such a terrible negotiator. Oh, negotiator, yeah. Where he will just keep doing. So this is the equivalent of someone who has a job and they keep on taking on more responsibility and more responsibility, saying like, "Oh, I just need to, I just need to start doing this part of the job too, and then I'll get a promotion after they see how good I am at doing that." But that's the trap to fall into because obviously your boss will just exploit you as much as you can. While getting you to do as much as you can while making as little money as possible. And then you end up just not moving anywhere in your career and then getting super stressed out because you have too much work to do anyway. Um, so John does not hold any leverage. And that's his problem. He has no, like, like why not say, like, no, no, no. Tell me something about how where they are. Something. It doesn't need to be exactly where they are. And then I'll help you. Like, he doesn't do any sort of negotiation with that. He doesn't say, you know, he he doesn't set any deadlines, right? Like if you are well, he in that situation, does not set deadlines. yeah, like you can say, all right, hey, I'll do, I'll take on this new responsibility for three months, and then we'll renegotiate uh, where I stand and what my position should be and how much I should be paid, right? That's a tactic that you can use with your boss because they're saying three months, whatever. I just want to get them out of my office, but that's actually something really good for you because you can leverage that. John should say, I'll help you rob this train and then do one other favor. But at that point, you, I need your word that you will give me some information or help me get to Javier Escuela. But he's just let on and let he's on. He's just willy-nilly, dude. He just doesn't Oh, matter. my gosh. He's walking into the bank office signing up for a terrible interest rate loan. That's what he's doing. <laughs> and he's just getting worked over by these people. I don't know, man. I, Red Dead Redemption One, ladies and gentlemen. What's the? Are are we out of Mexico this week afterwards? Like I think we are. I don't know 100 percent though. I'm trying to look at the mission names and see if there's anything to glean from that. I don't know. I don't think we're gonna be. Oh, the Not Prodigal Son returns though. We're gonna pass that, right? Oh no. We're no, not. we're playing up to. We're playing up to for purely scientific reasons. I wonder what that even is. I assume like right after that we'll probably be back in. Back in the United States. Uh, no, I, I think, because we're going to do Gates of a Press... No, but that's the next mission. There's no way the next mission is the one that we're getting out of Mexico, right? No, yeah, it's not. Definitely not. Ah. Man, why? Why is this so frustrating? I just want to be done with Mexico. <laughs> you want to be done with this version of Mexico specifically, not Mexico yes, as not, a Yes, just not Mexico in general. <laughs> All right, Brevin. I am done talking about the game, the main missions, and... You you promised me that you would play some Stranger Missions. I'm ready to hear all about them. And I didn't, because, no. Didn't happen. What? I what? did not play any. This is the last bastion of this game, where we can glean some sense of meaning out of it. And you didn't play? No. All right, well, I'm And you know why? Why? Tell me why. Because this game doesn't make me want to play it right now. <laughs> Ooh, ooh! It 
all comes out, Bremen. That's a big. I already told you this. It's it's just like, ah, uh, like something needs to happen, dude. What do you think? Tell me, tell me what you're thinking. It's not like, like it's it's so crazy that everyone said you know, Red Dead Two is such a slow game, and now we have Red Dead One that feels like a thousand times faster gameplay wise, but like the story is just like moving along like nothing. Like the it, the story wow. hasn't moved. Wow, that talk about rose-colored glasses, huh? The fact that you people would say, "Oh, Red Dead Two is too slow," when this game. Nothing has happened in the last 13 missions. We haven't gotten any information. The only thing that's happened is stuff that isn't directly related to John. (laughs) Man, I don't know. And it's also really late. (laughs) It's really late. It's really late. Robin, how do you feel about taking a week off? A a mid-season How about this? I'm not going to take a week off, but I'll take this next week to catch up on Stranger Missions. And not do story-related stuff. Oh. You know what I mean? So only do like do a Stranger Mission dedicated week. Yes. I like that. Because I probably have a ton to do by now. I didn't do them last week. And I didn't do them the week before. All right. I mean. What do you uh, think? Let me tell you. <laughs> It'll be a short episode. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Just because. Well, that's not all I'll say. Because I'm going to continue talking. Because this is a podcast. Um. A lot of them are shorter than they're def they're definitely shorter than the Red Dead Two ones and less uh, interesting, impactful. Let's yes, say. that's a good way to put it. Uh, but I don't know, man. I just want I just want to reset. Maybe it's because I'm tired right now and I'm. <sighs> what you're okay? Here's what's gonna happen: is you are gonna no, but. What? Uh, What's I your issue? You gotta Mexico finish a thought. Too. I, I know. I really, I really want to get out of Mexico. All right. See, what my plan was is get out of Mexico. Hopefully, by then, everything will be you know happy again, and the <laughs> game will be entertaining. And then do some stranger missions because I know they're still gonna be available. Maybe besides like one or two. All right. Oh, Come on, we can't now. take a week off. We can't take a week off. Why We're tired we right now. Because we're three episodes from finishing the season. <laughs> but, well, if you think about it, we're five episodes into the season, so we're about halfway. Or are we six? Is this episode this six? Is a, this is a sixth episode. Mm, it is a little bit awkward to take a week off. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep doing it. Well, let's keep it up. Brevin, what would John say? Need... Would John would John pack it up and John... say, you know what? I'm not going to look for my wife and son this week. No. no. You know what he, he would, would be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play through the entire game three times and do terrible things in the process of it. No, Before. no. John would say, where is Bill Williamson? Where is Javier Escuela? <laughs> I just want to give John a resolution. I want him to know. Right um, now, it's in my hands. If I wanted to, I could never do a story mission again and live this perpetual <gasps> life Oh no, of John being stuck, stuck in, in purgatory, just asking. He's going to end up like shaking <laughs> back and forth in a corner, like, where... Where is Bill Williamson? Where is Javier? <laughs> He's gonna forget that he even had a wife and a son in the first place. And He's that, just looking for these people. Yeah, I don't know why, but he has am. names. That's haunting. <laughs> Maybe what we need to do, Brevin, is the the Skyrim method of just inventing our own story. I like that. Let's write our own Red Dead story. <laughs> I want I want John to 
embrace his role as a Mexican rebel and just become like a legend who fights for the people. You know? You know what I want? If they remaster this game, I want them to change some things about it. <gasps> oh! Wait, so like actually change the structure of the plot and like what yes. happens? Yes. That's fascinating. How much could I they change to. though? I think they could change a lot of what happens in Mexico. They can make it either more streamlined, which I don't think is a great idea because I think the game would be too short. If you cut out a lot of it, um, there's definitely parts of there's a lot of parts of the game in general you can cut out, like the the stupid races Horse at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, just a lot of silly things that don't need to be in the game. Um, and I think a lot of just condensing the Mexico plotline and maybe adding to it. That poses such an excellent question. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because if the, if this rumor is true where Rockstar India or whoever is remaking Red Dead 1, would they really would they really look at this and say up-res release to PC? Or would they say, like, I mean, there's a lot of room for improvement here and that it's not... What we were hoping for, Brevin, was a seamless transition from Red Dead 2 to Red Dead 1 and having it make narrative and... Well, yeah, narrative sense. And, like, it does make narrative sense, but it doesn't... And it did a lot more, but now it's weird. It's getting it's getting odd. It's getting odd, and it seems to be straying from, like, the moral... Oh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just... I'm at a loss for meaning at this point with Red yeah. Dead 1. And I think, if anything could be increased, would be that. But would they even dare to? Like, people hold this game in such high regard... I just, I don't know. You know, I want, I want, if you're listening and you have something to say about this, write in, please, because I need to, I need to hear other people's opinions on this. I know. I'm, I honestly, I'm getting to the point of shaking in a corner saying, where is Javier Escuela? (laughs) Because I, I'm so detached at this point. Maybe, maybe we are just um, unbelievably too hard on this game and it's just like not nearly as severe as we are making it out to be, but I don't know, I, man. Like, if you gave me the reins and said, Tyler, make a remake of Red Dead 1, oh, yeah, I would. I would. <sighs> what do you do, though? I mean, <laughs> that's. I was I was about to say what I would do, and then I was like, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I think but, one thing you. I don't know if I, it might be a little bit too difficult to make, to make it work, but, like, give the characters more permanence. More of a presence. Yeah. And whether that means adding missions. Like, just of you, like, I don't know, not spending time necessarily, but doing something smaller on the side that creates more moments for you to be able to have conversations with these characters. More humanity for each of them. Like we had with the Red Dead 2 characters. Yeah, especially, I think that could easily happen with Luisa and Reyes. Maybe not so much with the army. Yeah, but then what do you do with that? Like, what do you just, like, in my version of Red Dead 1, he goes straight for the revolutionaries because that's that's john's people right not the Mm -hmm. government it's it's the people fighting against it and maybe maybe john witnesses something with landon ricketts like he actually fights the army to save louisa and and witnesses you know what they were doing to people Mm -hmm. and proceeds to approach the army for help anyway but my version of John Marston would preferably say, no, I'm not going to work with the army after seeing that. I'm going to work with the rebels. And then there's there's a 
marriage between his motivation to find Javier Escuela and also just be a generally not terrible person. Mm-hmm. And if you make that change, I think that's not... Uh, I don't know, man. I struggle with this a lot. Like, You know what? Call it a remake. Don't call it a remaster. Because a remaster is not changing the story. That's leaving it as it was, just making it look better. Call this a remake. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I sort of... I don't really like the Star Wars movies, I'll be honest. I'm going to say mm-hmm. that. I'm going to say it. And one of my issues is that the characters are just, like, so simple. It's, like, it it is, like, so... <laughs> it's, it's almost annoying to me that, that the characters are so simple and yet they have such cultural reverence or people have such reverence for them. Like, everyone's like, oh, Han Solo is such a complex character because... He acts like a lone rogue, but then when it really comes down to it, he goes into the snow to save Luke Skywalker. It's like, oh, give me a break. Like, I do. No, I frankly agree with you that a lot of the characters are pretty, uh, you know, they they follow, you know, movie trope storylines. I think probably one of the most interesting characters is probably Obi-Wan. So that brings me to my point. Yes, Obi-Wan is interesting, but he's also sort of like kooky at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe in the in the prequels he's more serious, but I haven't seen. Oh, no, he's still. Yeah, he's still. He's still that way. Okay. <laughs> That's um, true. You didn't even watch all the prequels. I forgot about that. But what, what I was going to say is just that, like, maybe maybe by being so utterly repulsive to me john is a more interesting character and to turn him into something where he's like yes i'm looking for my wife and child but i will still fight for what is right because i am a good person like maybe that's why maybe that is taking away from john's character even though it's know, but there's more better there's better ways to represent the inner conflict you know <sighs> yeah rather than making him just look like a have a blank face 24 7 and be like okay i'll do it and just say witty lines of like oh well you know that's not how i would have done you know like whatever just like sort of typical vaguely annoying smarmy that's the word for it smarmy Smarmy. john lines (sighs) yeah i think you're right i think there's you can you can maintain that conflict and like moral gray that John walks while having him be more engaged in what's going on. That's what I, that's what I'm bothered by is he does not seem to be engaged. And if my main character that I'm playing on playing as is not engaged in what's going on, then why should I be? That's it. That's it. That's it. All right, Brevin. We're going to continue. We're going to, we're sticking to it. We're going to play through to scientific for purely scientific reasons. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stick to it for for purely scientific reasons. Oh. That's why we're gonna do it. <laughs> we need we need to continue this podcast for science, Brevin. We need to find the game that we loved so dearly that I played four years ago. Four years ago, and I was yeah, you like, played it more recently than I did. I played it in, most recently, like 2013, 2012. And I loved it. Can't believe that seven years ago. Yeah, maybe that's my problem. Is I'm putting too much stake into this. Right in reddeadcast at gmail.com r-e-d-d-e-a-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com i desperately need someone else's opinion on what's going on in mexico is it fun is it fun 
Is it? Yeah, that's straight up what I need. I need someone to tell me it's why it's fun. No, that's kind of ridiculous to ask for because that's like all opinion. But still, no. Tell me, tell me why you think if it you is. You are fun. having fun. Tell me why you're having fun. And if you if you don't like it, tell me why you don't like it. If you think it isn't as bad as we say it is, I just want your opinion because I am like so. I'm at a loss. Yeah, that's how <sighs> I feel too. I'm glad you feel the same way. Could you imagine if one of us was like, "Oh, I'm so into this," and one of us was like, "Yeah, this this whole Mexico thing." It's not, it's not doing it for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we might be exacerbating it by talking about it so much. And that's what I'm worried about because then then I think like, well, what value are we adding as a podcast if we are just like completely down well, it's on it's not like game? we're not an- analyzing it. We're still analyzing it. We're just trying to figure out what Rockstar was trying to say with this whole part of the game. Yes, yes. That's what I want to know is why. Like, it's one thing for them to you know make something where i'm like oh i see what they were going for but i disagree with what they went with here and here because i found that to be not impactful or not effective but to not even know what they were even trying to say is frustrating me exactly so if you understand what they're trying what what theme are they trying to impart here or is this is this whole game simply like a survey of wacky characters and (laughs) situations that inspire gunfights maybe that's it man maybe that's it's a it. spaghetti western whatever that means i've just heard that put your spaghetti through your soup strainer and have yourself a ball <laughs> yep <laughs> you're right Brevin. all right this is this is a podcast about this has red been dead red dead reflection we are we are reflecting deeply oh yeah too too much probably reflecting way too much we had actually we had a, a podcast existential crisis this episode where we were like let's just stop <laughs> uh, i'm i'm in spite of it though like i actually really enjoy this and i hope that it's not painful to listen to us go back and forth like this um i don't think it is if it is you're not listening anymore and good for you <laughs> live your life make what I, what live, i would live what life. i would hate is if someone was listening to this podcast and they weren't enjoying it but just like john they were not they were just intentionally and they were like uh, i mean i don't want to get up to turn it off if that's you right now shame on you turn it off <laughs> live your life man choose choose what you will do and how will you how you will spend your focus how will you do it how will you do it i'm done bye <laughs> bye brevin this is my red reflection love you guys please write in i need some someone to validate my insanity yeah. Wait, no. Yes. Validate my sanity. I mean, no, oh, my it's insanity. all coming apart. All right. Goodbye, folks. Thank you Goodbye. for listening.